Hello there! You are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Nonstop! My name is Tom Chick, and to discuss Nonstop, I am joined by Christian McGlinsky. Did you just call me McGlinsky? Seriously? Did you just call me McGlinsky? And with our nonstop tagline, Kelly Wad. Occupied. <laughs> Occupied? <laughs> vacant. Or vacant, yeah. I don't know which one's funny. <laughs> oh, occupied, okay. Uh, you never get it. Dingus always has to explain it to you. And then you go, that's not, do you have a backup? <laughs> so my backup's vacant, Mr. Pants. Okay, they both work, actually. They both work. Thanks. And I feel like I could use a little screwdriver and, and scooch between one and the other and just move them back and forth as needed. I like that, Kelly Wand. Uh, Kelly Wand, I, I want you can thank me right now for lobbying for – so if listeners listened to the podcast two episodes ago, we flipped a coin to decide whether or not to do a podcast for Three Days to Kill or Pompeii. I would now like to come clean with everybody listening and Kelly Wand. I've already made my peace with Dingus on this. I – lied about the coin flip and at the last minute the coin flip was for Pompeii and I just couldn't bring myself to do Pompeii so I and I kind of want uh, you suck now I'll I never know. trust you again I and cheated. now I doubt even I know the and drive. I understand but I didn't want to do Pompeii upon reflection like when it finally came down to it when those when the coin flipped and it was for Pompeii I was like I can't I, I just can't do this. They're leaving it up to me anyway. So rather than, you know, I can just determine the coin flip. It was going to be my choice. Uh, so I opted for three days to kill. We all enjoyed it. I think that that was a good call. And I have now seen Pompeii. And Kelly Wand, you can thank me for you not having to sit through that movie. Pompeii is every bit as bad as Kellen Lutz's Legend of Hercules, but more so because it's dull. There is nothing that happens oh. in this stupid movie. Pompeii is – if Paul W.S. Anderson doesn't have some kind of like Mila Jovovich or crazy Resident Evil stuff going, this guy has no idea how to make a movie entertaining, I'm convinced. Pompeii, Wait, you like Resident Evil? Or did I did, but Resident Evil has this crazy Capcom nuttiness to it from those Japanese games that even Paul W.S. Anderson can't gloss over. And when he throws his wife into it, that's fine. Sometimes it works out okay. None of that is in Pompeii. Pompeii is this wretched, dull swords and sandals thing about the volcano's barely even in it, by the way. What? what? The volcano. All right, now, you, now you're certain. It's, the movie is an hour of. It's Dante's Peak. Of... It's not even that, because Dante's Peak, like every now and then there's just a shot of the volcano. But mostly it's about this <laughs> young. The, the daughter of some kind of nobility in Pompeii falls in love with a slave. It's basically Titanic without the Wait. ship. Does it does it cut to the volcano's reaction shot after like so about it's been taking lava so it kind of does about twenty minutes into the movie the volcano they just have a they put in a scene where a servant uh, gets just swallowed up by a crack just he's out in the fields and a crack Uh, well it was ancient Rome and he falls into the earth and then that's nothing and then it goes by with nothing else happening. Every now and then you get a shot of the volcano and it you can see down. It's all CG. You can see lava down into it. Uh, and then about 20 minutes before the movie's over, it erupts. There's no good lava scenes, by the way. I mean, I was sitting in the theater thinking, I, by golly, lava better swallow up some people. And when the lava finally comes, oh, yeah. it's just like a, it's an orange cloud. 
it's not like the kind of lava that looks like oatmeal or it doesn't glow or flow or anything. It's just like a really fast orange cloud. Speaking of which, Howard John Snow's nipples. Howard Johnson has nipples? No, John Snow. Yeah, oh, John Snow. So I didn't realize this. So this guy's apparently from Game of Thrones, which I haven't seen no. in a while. But he's in the snow on it, so you don't get to see his guns. Uh, oh, he said Howard how are John Snow's nipples? So John, he, the, the actor, the actor in in in, in Pompeii's nipples. <laughs> the actor in Pompeii is named Kit Harrington, and he plays John Snow in Game of Thrones. And he's he's shirtless a lot, and he looks great, uh, you know, as far as like his physique. But the guy is an actor. He's imagine Eric Bana from TV. Like, what if Eric Bana was only a TV actor? That's what this guy is in Pompeii. You're a TV actor, and you always no, say, "Good Lord, disgustedly. I'm not, I'm not even the level of TV actor." Uh, no. Uh, but the best thing about Pompeii, uh, and the only reason to see it, and this is the sort of thing where I'm watching it, it's like watching the news crawl and I'm really bored in a movie. <laughs> okay, what, what can I look at? Uh, Emily Browning's ears, they do a thing with her hair. She's got her ears kind of stick out, and it's so freaking adorable. <laughs> like it's, they have her hair made up and pulled back at one point. Is that the only part of it that's above the lava at the end? Uh, she doesn't even, no, I'm telling you, Kelly, on the lava scene, it's just, she's sitting there kissing him at the end. They're like, okay, it's just like the, it's like the, what's the movie where somebody is having a reconciliation on a beach? Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. It's Tealione. Yeah. But it's, yeah, this is a million shell. Right. Oh, geez. No one tries to outrun it though. You got to give them that. Well, so here's the deal. They try to outrun the lava. There's that poet who dies. No, they do try to outrun it. Who tries to run it on a motorcycle? Is it like Topher Grace? That's Keanu Reeves running from a, 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 a water church bomb cloud, I think. No, in Deep Impact. Uh, oh, oh, puts Deep a gr- oh uh, it's, uh, no, it's Elijah Wood. Oh, Elijah Wood. He also names the comet. He does two things. He runs from it and sees it, but not in that order. All right, back to Tom's lava run. Well, the, the, she gets, they get swallowed by lava when they're finally kissing at the end. Oh. It's just, it's, again, it's not like That's the how love feels, Tom. In caveman movies, it's just like an orange cloud. Uh, but doesn't the wait. lava, like, take ten minutes to get there, and they're like, uh... No, it's basically a lot of debris. It's like comets from Armageddon. It, the, mainly the volcano <laughs> Your favorite, erupts, right? and then it's just shooting down. It's like firing artillery at the town oh. at the time. Uh, CG artillery. CG artillery, and so the movie's just all this like stupid gladiator battles. Yeah. It's so much between it's, them and the lava. No, it's, so he's no. a gladiator and he's fighting, and and uh, uh, Kiefer <laughs> Sutherland is the evil Roman. Emerson. Wait, this sounds awesome. No, God, you're doing it. This is, what have I done to make it sound awesome? I don't. Kiefer Sutherland. I forgot. Kiefer Kiefer Sutherland, yeah. isn't it? Oh, he's he he's a gladiator. He's Stephen. He's a he's like a Roman uh, an emissary from Rome come to I Pompeii. I agree with the coin and you suck so far. Fine, you know what? Go see Pompeii. I dare that you. Point, was the coin a Roman coin with your Sutherland? Ah, all right. I'm sorry. I keep cutting you off. Please go back to the key for Sutherland part. By the way, Kelly, did you notice that Tom made me bring up Deep Impact and then he had to immediately uh, invoke Armageddon just to nullify that? Yeah, but he spoke scornfully of him. That's the way that works. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Anything you can say about uh, Deep Impact, I can top with something about Armageddon. Okay, that's, that's that was short-lived, wasn't it, Dingus? Sorry for realizing <laughs> that. Uh, wait, so I heard this was a laugh riot from Southern California girlfriend of the podcast, uh, Jeanette. Uh, Pompeii was a laugh riot? Yeah, she laughed through the whole thing. See, because I, I thought uh, Kellen... And the audience laughed when they saw Kiefer Sutherland, she told me. Oh, well, Kiefer Sutherland was ridiculous, but I thought Kellen Letts' Legend of Hercules was hilariously bad throughout. This was just, just bad, and it really wasn't. Kiefer Sutherland was just kind of embarrassingly bad, and Kit Harrington was not there, and Emily Browning was all ears. 
Um, I remember and, thinking that that Paul Thomas, the PWS Anderson, does have a way of like ruining even things that should be funny. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what were you going to say about what's her name? Um, that's it. There's a Emily Browning's ears. And her adorable little ears sticking out. Um, does lava come out of them? Because she gets pissed off. <laughs> no, no lava, no steam. No, no, she never gets pissed off. There's no acting. Nobody's Wait, acting. Wait, can you give me a little Kiefer Sutherland? Just like so, Kiefer Sutherland is like the evil. He's he has slaughtered Kit Harrington's parents back when Kit Harrington was a little tiny urchin, and he went to the village where Kit Harrington is from. It's a murder mystery. He's a, and he's, the, Kit Harrington is from the Celtic horse tribes. So, did, hey, dingus, don't laugh. I'm the medic. I, I, I just the name Kit Harrington. You keep saying that like the thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or Jon Snow. We can call him that if you like. Here's the meat cute oh, from the movie. Right. Howard so, Johnson. <laughs> meet cute. The meet cute in uh, Pompeii, where the noble Pompeian uh, chick has to fall in love with the the captive gladiatorial fighter slave. Um, she, the slaves are all chained up, and they're being led down the road to Pompeii, where they're going to go fight. And she's in her little carriage because uh, she's like a daughter of nobility. Tom. The carriage is going down the road, and it hits a pothole, and the horse that's leading the carriage falls over. <laughs> and I don't know how that happens if the carriage hits the pothole and the horse falls, but that's what happens. <laughs> that's the part that's hard for you. <laughs> and the, that never happens. Why would a horse pot- is always a perfect balance, and stagecoach is never overturned. Why would the pothole? Look, <laughs> you Anderson. <laughs> exactly. If you're pulling a wagon and it hits something, yeah. Tom's falls. like, they had to fake that. That has to be CG. There's no way a wagon would tip over. All well, right. So here's the deal. So the horse is now on its side, and it can't get up. And uh, Emily Browning booing. Uh, descends from the little carriage and she's like, oh, the horse. Um, and Kit Harrington is like, it's in pain. I can, I let me free to take care of it. And he says that to the taskmaster guy. And the taskmaster guy's like, no, get out of here. I'm not going to unchain you. And Emily Browning is like, oh, please unchain him. Um, let him tend to the horse. So the taskmaster <laughs> unchains Kit Harrington and Kit Harrington and Emily Browning kneel by this horse that has fallen over. And she is obviously smitten with him, even though she's distraught about her horse. And he says to her, uh, press on its flanks so oh it won't feel any pain while I move what? it. <laughs> she, that's what, what? He, he's instructing her because he's he's from the Celtic horse tribes. And she's a doctor. A no, she's not. He's like her assistant. <laughs> she's his assistant. And he says, press on its flanks so it won't feel any pain when I try to move it. And so she does something like she's pressing on the side of the horse and he takes the horse cradles the horse's head in his arms his really buff arms and the, he like snaps the horse's neck like, with his bare hands but she's doing the work according to her uh she's like i'm squeezing its ass to break its neck <laughs> i believe this happened in non-stop by the way and volcano but the movie and then the really sad music uh, plays to show that this horse dying is a really terrible thing, and they share a bond over it. Breaking its neck seems like a dumb way to kill a horse. Well, uh, they don't have guns, Kelly. As opposed yeah. to the guns. what are they going to do? Shoot it? They haven't invented guns yet. Dingus yeah, has a good point. point. Yeah, they had to break its neck. <laughs> Kelly wants so here's that was why guns were invented. Airplane Stagecoaches that weren't tipping over, but the horses were. I did watching Pompeii. I did think, man, I would have liked a Pompopsis. That's what I wanted to watch it for. That's the main reason I, because ancient shit's always funny to opsis. Because the way Hollywood tries to render ancient life is always funny to me. Uh, have you guys seen Sleeping Beauty with Emily Brown? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not the cartoon. The, Why do you say it's so weird? Wasn't Sucker You're Punch just, enough for us? 
Nah, Sleeping Beauty is good. I just found out, mouth. though. Uh, Sleeping Beauty is the really weird. It's a uh, not Janet. I've Lee, heard you uh, describe it before because we had a listener submission about it. Oh, um, uh, Sleeping Beauty is really weird and great. Kelly Warren, you should see it. It's a, it's a weird, uncomfortable, uh, odd Australian kind of art house movie about. Those are my nine prerequisites. <laughs> but due to pay to sleep with girls, it's awesome. Kind oh, of, not quite. But, How but much? Uh, it was originally uh, Emily Browning's in it, and it's, it's a really good performance. Like it, it, it made me have a lot more respect for her than I did from Sucker Punch. But it was originally uh, Mia Wasikowska, which won't mean much oh, to you guys because you haven't seen it. But imagining that movie with Mia Wasikowska uh, is is odd, I, I guess. So it was like Alice, which was with her, which they're making a sequel to. Did you know that? No, a lot of money, Kelly Wand. That Alice in Wonderland where Johnny Depp does the stupid dance. No, they're not. Come on. She's going to fucking conquer Hong Kong with the caterpillar. I'm not sure I believe you, Kelly Wand. <sighs> All right. Dingus, what did we see this week? Well, this week we saw non-stop. Mm. Was, a- was there a dash in it? Oh, yeah. Oh, there was definitely a dash. That sounds certain. Right. I could call it non-stop if you prefer, Kelly. That's the Spanish version. Because face off, face thing slash off, off. Uh, 2014 French American mystery action thriller movie. Why are you calling it French? Because it's kind of French. Liam Neeson's Irish, though. Is there French money in this or something? Oh, Studio Canal is that France, Dingus? Yeah, it's it's okay. it's French American. Okay, uh, French it's money. a <laughs> <laughs> it's a Franco American, Franco American uh, mystery action thriller movie. About why allowing texting during flights is a bad idea. Mm. It was directed by uh, Jama Koyet Serra. Why, why are you saying it that way? Uh, because I listened to a couple of Spanish interviews with him. And, and it's not Wom, it's Jama? Wow, I'm embarrassed. It's not Wom. Wom is an island, I think. It's Jama. Jama Koyet Serra. Wow, okay. I'm He's from uh, Catalonia, I think. No relation to Michael, right? I could say Sarah, but it's it's Jamakoyet Sarah. You're right. Uh, texting was the villain. <laughs> and written by John W. Richardson, Christopher Roach, and Ryan Engel. Mm. It stars Liam Neeson, mm-hmm. Julianne Moore, mm. Scoot McNary. <laughs> <laughs> who? Who? I love you. I love hearing you say that name. Who? Who is that? That last Scoot. one. Scoot. Scoot McNary. <laughs> Uh, Lupita Nyong'o, Michelle Dockery, and Shea Wiggins. Uh, Nonstop is rated PG-13 for intense sequences of action and violence, some language, sensuality, <laughs> and drug references. What? I, uh, the sum always gets me in that. It's always like, all right, here's the rating. 13 hyphen, like can letters you, and numbers, and then it's like some shit happened. You know, can you give me the language in this, Kelly? Effing, some of it. Effing. 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 They, they effing lost, messed up my seats. They lost her effing reservation. <laughs> Unfortunately, Anson Mount's uh, cell phone <laughs> was broken in just the right places to obscure yeah, the F bombs. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I love that. I love that F word. <laughs> it's so like clever. an ice wide shut when they covered. <laughs> oh, no. Black. No, I, I I appreciate Kelly Wan's reference. It works for me. Uh, let's see on Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews. Nonstop is at fifty six, and on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive, Nonstop is at fifty eight. 
Where do you think uh, of that, Kelly? Um, I don't know. Well, as far as the National Box Office, <laughs> Nonstop is number one. It's the number one movie in America. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand? I think that's true. It beat the Jesus movie. Which one? Son of God. Oh. Son of God is a. Uh, I think I didn't realize this. Mark, it was Mark a, Burnett's Son of God. <laughs> is that what it's called? No, it's just he produced it. Mark Burnett. Well, it's from a TV. Like it's already been telecast. Like it's already been aired on various stations. It's just a, uh, a theatrical release to, I guess, make more money. Uh, but it worked. I mean, people. That's it, it's the number two movie, uh, and it beat the Lego Movie. Jesus. So oh, Liam, finally, Liam Neeson beat Jesus. Jesus beat the Lego Movie. They both have four letters starting with an L. <laughs> Coincidence, Tom? Except what do the numbers say? <laughs> um, so let's see. It was the number one movie. It made $30 million, uh in its opening weekend, and uh, which is way better, by the way, than uh, what was it? Unknown. Um, so it's doing well, I, I think. But not taken numbers. Mm, it might be taken numbers. I don't remember how well that did. How much did Taken take? Wait, yeah. go back to $30 million. That's a whole lot of frequent flyer miles. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly Wand. A little movie podcast for you. Kelly Wand, this is the tower. I want you to know that the nonstop bopsis is cleared for takeoff. A weak effort on your part to guess what it would be called. Kelly Wand, you're not using proper communications protocol. Quarterback. <laughs> really? Oh, it's the one time the opsis actually has a good title. What, nonstopopsis is not a good type? Dingus. I like mine better already. Dingus Nonstopsis? Nice. Oh, please. Listen to how annoyed Dingus was, sounded. That's exactly how I feel. I'm really appalled right now. Well, Kelly Wan, whatever you want to call it, it's cleared for Just get on with it. Oh. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Nonstopsis. <clears throat> God damn it, the public doesn't want to see me just repeating the same part over and over. I said leave Lucas out of this. Dead daughter instead of Maggie Grace? Uh, chicken burrito boy. By the way, audience, this wet bar I keep in my car represents alcoholism. Shit, thought I'd hung up. <laughs> Fuck off my leg, kid. This, this stuffed animal sucks. Love me. La, 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 la. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here, get in this tray and ride through this x-ray machine. Fucking chicken burrito. Black guy on the phone. Ugh. Yeah, man, got that $150 million oh, you soon as I hijack this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, kudos to 12 Years a Slave for winning an Oscar. <clears throat> now back to the non-stopsis. Oh. Fuck hacking ATMs. This shit's way faster, yo, and less dependent on retarded coincidences. Fuck you looking at? Oh, I've just never seen a dude on a phone holding up an airport security line, but no one in line or the security guard's giving a shit. Seems a little chicken burrito. Yo, fuck you. All right, I see your point. Fucking paranoid Irish motherfucker. You have me there, my friend. <laughs> Plus, if I was a terrorist, wouldn't my act in this suspicious be a little implausible? Why, you son of a bitch. Sir, I think you're supposed to be undercover. Is this other air marshal with the cocaine and bomb yours? <laughs> uh, yeah. And this kid we just x-rayed? God, no. What do I look like? But that gun she's holding is, and she has my phone and boarding pass. I'm a brunette stewardess, but you can call me Red Herring 63. My so-called eye contact with the co-pilot will prove meaningless. Hi, I'm Julianne Moore. Can I have the window seat? 
my reason for wanting it's pretty complicated and boring, unlike most people's. But explaining it's all I get to do. Wow, are you all right? I've never seen someone make a whole bottle of scotch out of cigarettes before. Please don't look at me. I'm not. Did you just shit your pants? What was that? You shitting your pants? No, that, that quieter noise. The landing gear? It retracts when we take off. Take off? Yeah, from the runway. What? Did you just shit your pants again? How is that even possible? Save your Kleenex. I don't need it. It's for me. Stewardess, can I switch seats? No. Yeah, my dead daughter wife gave me this blue bungee cord yarn to conquer my fear of flying by wrapping around my wrist. I find it's more helpful when I tie it further up my arm and then inject heroin into this vein here. But the TSA confiscated it before giving me these two guns. Fucking police state. What was that? Nothing. We're still taxiing two miles an hour. What the fuck was that yellow thing? That was a taxi outside the fence. You see how fast he was going? It was parked next to all those other ones. We're at an airport. Wow, you just soiled yourself a third time over that? Some of it's scotch and chicken burrito. Uh, folks, this is your pilot speaking. Am I Steve Coogan? One second, I'm getting a text. Waitress, lights down, please. Hello, Air Marshal. Enjoying your flight? Uh, <clears throat> not really. You don't have to type the, uh, I can hear you just fine. <laughs> this is Julianne Moore. Or that chick over there in 10B who acts like she's never used lipstick. Maybe on you. Don't show this to anyone. You might find out for sure. All right, Julianne. Should I meet you in the men's room? I'm a widower, so don't expect much. I'm going to kill someone on this plane every 20 minutes unless you give me $150 million. Mm. I'll be in the bathroom. And not shitting, by the way. Wink. Tom, that's him typing, by the way. I can tell. Sorry, Congressman. Hip out of the way, Granny. Sold out transatlantic flight. No line for the restroom. Ah, hmm. uh, me sitting on a toilet. Pretty suspenseful. You're welcome, audience. Guess I'll have a smoke while I'm in here. <clears throat> Just tape up these vents. None gets out. Ah, <sighs> scotch for bong water. I'm a genius. Okay, chicken burrito back to my seat. Hi, Liam. This black guy here we all saw you hassling line sat down and was just telling me he's a genius at hacking federal phone networks and just got a job at Radio Shack. <laughs> it's great. Now get out of my seat. And you, where's my hand job? What? Fine, play your little games. One second, I'm getting a text here. Have I got your attention now? Motherfucker. I'm warning you. Texting is a serious offense. Is that what you told the lavatory after you filled it with smoke? How did you know I smoke? I think I said that wrong. Try that again. How did you know I smoke? Hey, Liam, it's me, the bald guy from House of Cards. Uh, yeah, everyone in your plane here can tell you uh, duct tape the vents shut. <laughs> Not sure if you get how air works. Good thing it's not in your job title or anything. 
Sir, here's your lime wedge on a stick. And for Julianne Moore, this chest scar exposition. Will there be anything else? I didn't order this. Oh, don't worry. It's already paid for out of your Swiss bank account. By the way, this came for you. Did you get the lime I ordered you? (laughs) Now transfer money to yourself, or I'll make you kill a guy in the restroom and find cocaine. (laughs) This is your tenth and final warning. I'd like to see you make me kill. Damn it! All right, that's it. Julianne, stewardess, actress, you're both women. Come with me. That's an order. (laughs) All right, listen, you're both total strangers with suspicious cover stories, and I don't trust people I work with who are licensed professionals and longtime colleagues. Now look at these screens and draw circles around anyone who's using their phone while I text them and raise their suspicions. (laughs) Wait, what? What protocol? What? (laughs) Just do it. You suspect me, even though I'm the only other A-lister. You're a dick. <laughs> Remember she said dick in that movie? Twice. You're a dick. What, do you dick. like the aisle, dick? Yeah, how come you like the aisle, dick? <laughs> All right, here's your drink. That's me remembering the movie, by the way. <laughs> Not opposites. I, too, am mildly offended. Also, you're standing right there in view. Won't they not do it if they can see you staring at them? (laughs) (laughs) Also, what's an air marshal again? What are you? Let me see that phone, black guy. Dear Stinky, look at the boobs on this blonde chick. Even on a crowded flight, keeps bending over in front of me, but looking away at the same time. <laughs> Don't text me back. I'm masturbating. Best black. Uh, all right, here's your phone back. Can you send me this third one? <laughs> if you masturbating. <laughs> I only got Julianne Moore's CG score up here. Damn, black guy. I don't know what that damn that was after. Damn it. Black guy, you're the only person on this plane I'm certain isn't the villain. Because I'm a genius. I need you to do something phone-related for 30 minutes. (laughs) Damn it. All right, make it eight. I'm already done. Nothing happened. Again. And we're an hour into this motherfucker. Damn it. Wait a minute. You're not in on it, are you? No, you're black. You being able to be way too obvious. Bald guy, the way you just choked me makes me think you're a better cop than I was before I was suspended for firing guns in planes and was demoted to air marshal. Come with me. Tonight's story, the air marshal who's hijacking your flight is also an alcoholic. Film of him drinking at 11. Damn it. All right. Attention all passengers. This is your air marshal speaking. Not texting. (laughs) Different hand. Yes, I was a bad father. I'm an idiot. Yes, I drink a lot. And worse, smoke. Now, I know I'm waving a gun in your faces, but my daughter died, so you can believe everything I'm about to say. Free air travel and chicken burritos for a year. Whether you survive the next hour or not, totally free. I can't guarantee your safety on any of those flights or on this one, and your destination's limited to Boston. And your movie will be the gray. Every flight. Over and over. Like a circle of a pasta. 
an extended cut with even slower motion. For all the scenes Tom and Dingus go on and on and on and on and on and on and on about. Jesus Christ. Liam Neeson, interesting. Jervis just promised his free plane ticket. Sounds pretty cool. Oh, wait, hang on. He's talking again. Third act. All right, everyone. It's me again. Liam Neeson. Again, I'm not texting. I'm talking into a microphone. First, I want to thank you all for not doing anything after I lied to you about the free air trap, which, by the way, was a lie. But as a reward for your universal and unlikely uh, disinterest in everything, I now have both good news and bad news. The bad news is there's a bomb on board. In my defense... In my defense, it was in a brick of flour that I didn't stab hard enough with my knife <laughs> tasting it. Somehow knew I wouldn't do it. Alcoholics never stab. The good news is that World War Z was the movie on my last night. <laughs> and from it, I learned that if we stack all our luggage behind this, it'll shuffle. <laughs> it'll muffle a nuclear explosion and or zombie attack. <laughs> Just keep your voices down so the bomb doesn't hear us. <laughs> it also eats brains, which means I'm safe. Any questions? Yeah, how much blows left? <laughs> uh, Kelly Warren, quarter to three newsroom. Blonde girl, you had your hand up. Mm, no, tits. I was texting you again, but I can't take it anymore. By the way, I have a gun and represent the war in Iraq. Me too, I think. That's the black guy talking with southern white accent for some reason. What the, how'd I lose my gun? <laughs> uh, thought you'd get out with... Still talking on the microphone, by the way. Thought you'd get out with my oxygen master. How did you with your knife trick, eh, black guy? Forget it, Sonny. I grew up on the streets of Ireland. Oxygen masks and Irish shit. A bunch of things happen on the plane. <laughs> I'm just going to take this microphone with for the rest of the hour. <laughs> Strangely addictive. Ah, uh, there, my racist bomb explosion killed the only black guy in the aisle. No one else on the whole plane. <laughs> my daughter's avenged. Now I can throw away this stupid yarn. Along with all the other story threads. Yeah, that po- <laughs> Yeah, that co-pilot landing the plane was pretty cute. Want to have sex? All right. As long as you don't mind, no alcohol. And if you thought I shit my pants earlier... Chicken burrito? For you, whatever your name is, Chicken Burrito Supreme. Meet me in the dead room with my dead friend in two. The end. Thank you, Kelly Wad. <laughs> Shaky beginning. Kind of the opposite of the movie. Spoiler alert. Your Liam Neeson is awesome. Uh, he's like from he's, New York. But, he sounds like he's uh, from Barney Miller. <laughs> but he's he, got the gruffness and the world-weary uh, demeanor. Kelly Wan's definitely nailed that aspect. Yeah. I think Albert Brooks taught me, in a way, to find my inner Irish Liam Neeson character. Mm. Mm. I could go on for hours, Deep. starting now. Uh, who here has seen Flight Plan with Jodie Foster? I want oh, to, I and have. I want to see Red Eye with Rachel McAdams. And I thought the, the villain from that was in this for a minute. 
Which one? Flight Plan? Was Peter Sarsgaard the villain in that? Yeah, yeah. You thought he was in this? Uh, For a a second, when I met Corey Stahl, uh, I forgot where I'd seen him before, and he just reminded me of Peter Sarsgaard. So uh, Kelly Wan called him the guy from House of Cards. I haven't seen House of Cards. How do you know him, Dingus? Uh, He's from Midnight in Paris. He's Ernest Hemingway. Oh, awesome. Wow. Oh, that's great. Uh, okay. Now I'm really confused. Uh, yeah, and I Hemingway at a Woody Allen movie? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I love, I love Midnight in Paris and he's great. He's great in that. And I loved him in this. And, but when I, when I was seeing him a couple of times, I'm like, is, is Peter Sarsgaard playing another bad guy on a plane? Did you guys recognize the non Sean Bean pilot? Cause that drove me crazy for a little bit, but it was just a second scene. I realized who that was. No, no. Who is that? Uh, his name is Linus Roach. He's done, uh, I guess he's doing bit parts like that now, but he had a really cool part in one of the Riddick movies. He was in an indie movie from uh, 15 years ago called Priest. Uh, Linus Roach <laughs> is like a serious English actor. Priest, the Paul Bettany. I, I do recognize his face. I just didn't know what the heck he was from. Uh, and I, it drove me crazy, Dingus. I see you realize this, but uh, I loved the, you know, I was like, where have I seen that Sturtis before? And I've, I've seen Hannah probably a dozen times, so it was great realizing, oh yeah, she's the, she's credited in Hannah as the false Marissa. <laughs> Which I love. Yeah. I don't remember her. She gets her neck broken by Saoirse Ronan. Yeah. And she, she, oh, and the hug. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so okay, so uh, I thought Flight Plan was terrible, and and this reminded me a lot of Flight Plan in that you you have this cool premise for a mystery that as it goes on and uh, becomes increasingly like kind of mysterious and what's going on, and eventually it just falls apart and just can't sustain yeah. itself. And I thought Flight Plan was the same. By the time Flight Plan was over, it was absolutely. I'm going to say a word I actually don't know how to say out loud, but that I've written before, so maybe you guys can help me with this. Sure. By the sure. time. By the time flight plan was over, I thought it was absolutely risible, risable, risable. I think risable, it is risable. Yeah. Okay, uh, it just got li- it's ridiculous by the time it's over, and I felt yeah, that way about this. When they're climbing around in the innards of the plane, right. it's just terrible. Right. Um, Remember turbulence with Lauren Holly? I like it when the main character has to land the plane. That should be a prerequisite. I don't. Lauren Holly from Walking Dead. No, oh, no, no. Who's uh, up there? Lori Holden. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, who? Doesn't flight plan rely upon like somebody breathing on a window? Yes, she uh, sees the little heart that her daughter drew on the window, and that's how she knows she's not crazy. But oh, flight plan yeah, dealt no, with no. the same kind of thing about this. You know, the the person to whom the mystery is being revealed. Like, is she? Is it in her mind? Is this in his mind? Right. Is it? Uh, so there was a similar dynamic in flight plan, I, I think. Which they scrap way too early, and I go, oh, it has to be in his mind because there's no way that thing would happen at the exact second. Like, there's so many boring, stupid coincidences that you don't go anywhere. But they're intriguing, and I kind of feel like if they it's had... It's great premise. And- yeah, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, yeah and, and like you said, Kayla, it just doesn't go anywhere. It can't sustain itself, and it, it's like it, it kind of lindelops by the time it's over. Yeah, the wrap-up's really weak, and there aren't any good twists. And it really they, it needs twists. Twists would have made it good, but instead it's kind of like nothing happens. I kind of felt like, yeah, the most courageous thing it could have done is made it about this... This crazy yeah. air marshal who does hijack a plane and deludes himself, uh, save that for the 3x3, three three, uh, into thinking that he's actually not doing it. It become like a, a psychological thriller uh, instead of just a straight-up thriller where everything has to be explained. Yeah, they abandon it's it. so unlikely, yeah. yeah. They even ever go, oh, yeah, I trust him. And they're like, all right, well, so either, I don't know, 
But the, also the one of the people I saw with was like, oh, he's in on it because he grabbed the seatbelt beforehand. So she was like instantly, it's like not fooled that it was the one guy. Wait, he, what? You mean when Tom puts his seatbelt on? Yeah, or grabs the strap or something because he. Knew well, well there's this great moment when they quote unquote teacher Tom. Uh, Just call him his name, Dingus. I'm sorry, Scoot. Then yes. Scoot McNary has his has his hands duct taped. And he still puts his seatbelt on. It's this cute little moment, but then I, he realize it's not so cute. I don't. I, I'm tired. I have two complaints I want to make. One <laughs> is I'm getting fucking sick of Family Man heroes. I'm getting sick of monogamy. I'm getting sick of dead daughters. <laughs> Just shoot somebody. I don't care. <laughs> Fucks at least two people in the movie. I don't care if it's a fucking birthday, fucking prom. It was in Gravity too. I can't take it anymore. Can't right, we so, just... so those are your two complaints. Okay, and then my other non-complaint. That's one, sorry. Okay, I have a theory. It's not even a complaint. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know how the first speed is good and the first diehard's awesome and then nothing else is good like those two? Mm-hmm. I have a theory that, okay, you have to have the R rating, and it has to be someone we haven't seen be awesome before who's famous for comedy. So, like, Bruce Willis or Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop or Keanu Reeves and Bill and Ted, your favorite. So they have to be famous for comedy. It has to be R-rated. Yeah, we have to have never seen them in an action movie before. So Liam Neeson's off. He just can't do any more movies like this. Uh, Have you seen that little clip from uh, Liam Neeson doing the... um that Life is Short, that Ricky Gervais series, where no. he, he, he comes into the office and he wants to do a comedy. It's a, it's Liam Neeson coming to Stephen Merchant and Ricky Gervais saying, I've decided I want to do comedy. Here are some of my comic routines. Um, it's and it, it's, Liam Neeson, you're right. You don't think of him as funny. And it, it's playing on him not being funny, but it's absolutely hilarious. Liam Neeson, when he sets his mind to it, can be hilarious. So, but Kelly, See, one that's an that interesting. That sound funny. Yeah. Is. So uh, it's called. I think Life is Short is the name of the show. And if you Google Life is Short, Liam Neeson, I'm sure that's all over YouTube. It's the it's the yeah, only good part of that entire series, by the way. Um, really? Yeah. It'll make you. Here's the problem. Liam Neeson steals it. Yeah. It'll if you watch this scene, it'll make you think. Oh, I want to watch that whole show. There's nothing as good as that uh, scene no. in the rest of the show. So I've just saved you six hours or however many episodes there were of that thing. Um, but so I, I like your theory, Kelly Wand, but uh, I don't I don't think you can blame Liam Neeson or the lack of an R rating. This has way too many well, problems beyond the fact that yeah, Liam it's a Neeson, bad script. Yeah, it's a terrible script. And because I at times I was willing to give it the benefit of the doubt, and I was I liked some of the early bits. I liked the yeah. lead in with this uh, the way they were portraying him as just bleary and and the out of focus and the muffled sound. Uh, just this burned out air marshal. Uh, I like the way they, they set up and scraps all that. The, the different characters on the plane. Um, so yeah, it just, it just falls apart. And then at the end, it was like, it could have just been any, if you'd rolled a die, it would have the exact same effect right. dramatically on who it was. And right. It exactly. Yeah. Um, and then uh, it's like the pot. I don't even know what the fuck happened. Like, wait, the guy blew a blew a poison dart uh, <laughs> so through the restroom that Liam Neeson didn't. Fall. Like, he's the worst air marshal ever. <laughs> Diggs, can you clear some of this up for us? Really? Which, which part would you like me to clear up? 
Yeah, what's what the plot? Yeah, what's the overall plot, Dingus? I, yeah. I just encapsulate the for us. What is Scoot McNary's <laughs> idea? What's he going to accomplish? black guy. What he's going to do is he's going to prove that America's security structure with providing all of these air marshals mm-hmm. is a uh, paper tiger or a false, uh, false security okay. by uh, allowing an air marshal to be a terrorist on a plane. And steal money from people. And once everybody realizes, oh my gosh, an air marshal could be a terrorist, nobody's going to feel secure anymore, and they're going to get real security because we don't actually have that in America. And until we actually do that, we're not going to have real security. So his his goal is to beef up the screening process for air marshals. Uh, his his goal is to stop us from having all of this false security and have real security. Because we didn't have it when those three thousand people died, and we certainly don't have it now. And this, how did how did he get the black guy to be his sidekick on this? Uh, they were in Iraq together, and they were running around. <laughs> they were running around. <laughs> that's that's his definition of what they were doing in Iraq. What about when the guy's making a speech and he goes, "And then I didn't understand why we went to the war." So then I worked out this super elaborate plan that's like <laughs> infinitely more convoluted than the Iraq. <laughs> Uh, did you guys know that Scoot McNary was going to be the villain as soon as he bummed a smoke? Oh, certainly. Uh, but the, the problem for me is, and I was hoping you guys could help me with this, um, that's when I got to the movie theater was when Scoot McNary was bumming a smoke. Um, I just haven't seen the movie him. yet. You haven't seen the whole movie then. I have not seen the beginning of the movie. So uh, I just saw Scoot McNary bumming a smoke. I didn't realize it was him. It was just some dude. And I was like, uh, the first. my first note is uh, – you know, dude asking for a light. He wasn't bumming his smoke. He was asking for a light, actually. And I said, is, is this like Chekhov's asking for a light? Um, th- so that was my very first note upon uh, in the theater. Yeah. Well, Dingus didn't so, get all the yeah. character development, did he? So, he acted like it was nothing, too. He just putted it in. Chekhov. So my, my question is, when in that air marshal reveal in the lavatory, when he like puts down the gun and the um, badge, mm-hmm. uh, is did you hear beforehand? Is there? A- no, that's the reveal. That's supposed to be a reveal, right. but we've all heard the premise, and Kelly Wand even has seen the trailer, which gives away every- – I cannot think of a single plot point except yeah. for the fact that Scoot McNary was in Iraq. Other yeah. than that, there's no single plot point that is not revealed. Including in the trailer. Yeah. yeah, the bomb going off, the whole thing about him being the suspected terrorist. How does it shows the landing in the movie? Like, does it show it in the actual – Well, I, ha- I hadn't seen the trailer, so I had no idea he was near Marshall. And I didn't know before. <laughs> watch it repeatedly. If when you weekend. see that in the lavatory, if you've heard it beforehand, if there's some sort no. of voiceover. Uh, you do hear him when he's in his car getting ready to get out of the parking lot and get into the terminal. He's listening to talk radio where they're talking about air marshals are ineffectual. Oh, my God. Oh, really? <laughs> Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Wait, did they set up the, the two-gun thing? Because it's like the black dude has a knife. He has two guns. I wondered what the gun. Oh, yeah. The pilot has to take. The pilot gets to take it from. Like, what if the guy says no? What? But then he gets the gun back. And is there a second gun? Yeah, he's the, he has yeah. the gun from the guy he kills from the other it's ammo. Oh, he's got Anson Mount's gun. Oh, right. right. Okay. By the way, I have to tell you, and I haven't been able to say this. I liked most of this movie. I really did. Um, oh, and nice. I and he, up until just, the up two. until the end when it fails the Die Hard villain test. I, I liked a lot of it, um, and what I liked most about it is from the at the beginning it felt kind of like uh, Jamakolet Koyatsera was doing this sort of 
homage to his horror roots, or at least paying some sort of tribute to them, because it felt like this could have been a really cool horror movie um, at the beginning. It felt like I was hoping it was going to develop into a horror movie. I'm kind of disappointed that it became a standard thriller, although I liked a lot of what it did, and I liked some of the transitions he did, but once we get to that ending, it's just so terrible when when we have a speech about 9-11. I mean, I, come on. I, I mean, I did, I did like when I, I got the idea that the other passengers thought they were in United 93. That was kind of fun in a weird sort of way, but I really hated that it became this terrible diatribe about freedom. Ugh. Yeah, so Dingus, I hear you, and I want to agree with you, but the problem for me is that when a movie ends this poorly and it can't basically honor the cool things that it established. And it's a very Damon Lindelof thing. And, and even, you know what, that's even demeaning it, because Damon Lindelof sucks at all kinds of things. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Dingus, in that I wanted to he like it. Stack. I'm, I'm with you in that I wanted to like it, and I was enjoying it, but the fact that it goes absolutely nowhere pretty much destroys any goodwill I have for what was there before. Like, part of what I'm enjoying is where is this going to go? How is this going to turn out? You know, who is going to be the bad guy? How are they going to re- reveal and explain these little implausibilities? What solutions are in store for this mystery? And after years of watching Lost, I have no stomach anymore for giving anything any goodwill if it can't put some sort of meaningful resolution at the end of it. Um, so I, I hear what you're saying, Dingus, and I kind of want to agree with you, but I just resent how thoroughly this thing fell apart and did nothing with anything that it had accomplished early on in, in the movie. Um, and it's with dismay that, for me, it all kind of started with the um, <clears throat> that confessional slash motivational speech <laughs> where he announces to the passengers that he spent too much time at work instead of with his daughter. Like. Like from there, I started getting this sinking feeling, and then yeah. just moment after moment after moment after moment from that point on, it got worse and worse and worse and destroyed any goodwill or enjoyment that I think I had leading up to that. Uh, well, none I, of those five things you mentioned were, were had a payoff. I mean, yeah, like what? Yeah, like the, I, I love the idea, like Dingus is saying, like, and that's what I was kind of saying before. The, the courageous thing for this movie to have done would have been a, to be a horror movie about an air marshal who goes crazy and, yeah. and hijacks the plane. And that, I, I, I think I that would have expected it. Yeah, that's I wouldn't have expected it would have been a cooler payoff. But this convoluted, oh, here's the solution, and whoa, I guess you didn't see this coming. Look how easy he gets out of it too. It's that he gets, he obviously he either gets super lucky or it's just pure bullshit. Like the bob goes off and it takes out the one guy he needs it to. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even things like the they they say with a serious face this this last resort bomb protocol, uh, and then w- at one point someone even asks him, and it's downright comedic. Someone even asks him, "Well, are you sure it's going to work?" And he says, "No, it's never been tried before. <laughs> like, nobody knows." They're, they're playing with that because another yeah, guy says, they, "Is there a wire you can cut?" I mean, they're kind of there. There's a little uh, playfulness. There. It's not Come funny. Mm, not funny enough. Yeah, and, and, oh, not yes. funny enough. C minus. No, really none wild. of it was funny enough. It was it? it could have been. Speed's hilarious. Because I think, yeah, well, exactly. Like speed's a good idea. Because here you think, well, why aren't they just throwing the bomb out the window? You know, what the heck? Yeah. Why is all this? And then they do throw in one little obligatory line about the pressure differential trigger switch. You know, they give Liam Neeson like three lines of dialogue to say, okay, well, we know all along you've been thinking, well, why didn't you throw it out the window? Here's why we didn't do that. Um, and then the diehards and then the cabin depressurizes and the bomb doesn't. 
Oh right, right, yeah. Well, exactly. Well, and they they depressurize it with the by shooting the window out, and yeah, uh, that's the, what I mean. It, yeah, the, the, what they say is going to happen. And even the ball, like when the bomb goes off, and we get the the exterior shot of the plane with all the CG. Oh, they're next to the pilot. They're blowing up next to the cockpit. Well, what the fr- what what is that? It's, it's near the, the back. It's in the back of the plane. The cockpit is in the. Which, I don't know if you know that. But what's ridiculous to me is they also, just for good measure, they have one of the engines blow up. <laughs> they just have an engine catch fire yeah. for no good reason. It's just like, oh, we're going to do some CG of the plane coming in for a crash landing. Let's make one of the engines uh, catch on fire. For the trailer. Everything's for the trailer. The I whole movie's so. for the trailer. The whole script's for the trailer. Every line's for the trailer. His jumping to get the guns for the trailer. Fuck this movie. But Dingus, you're kind of like you. you <laughs> I, I envy you, Dingus, that you can still admit that you were enjoying the first part because I just got so upset with this. He's, thing. He's well, got I had a great time watching this. I didn't have as, as good a time watching it as I did Three Days to Kill. Right. Uh, but uh, my audience, there were smatterings of applause at different parts. It was really oh. f- very funny. Um, I had a, I really kind of enjoyed watching it. I mean, I mean part of it is is I love what Liam Neeson is doing. Uh, I I love that early stuff where where he's doing all of this mentalist sort of I'm noticing every little thing in the airport kind of thing, but I'm still too weary to care about it. Um, I, I love the the silliness. I really loved Julianne Moore. I can't for the life of me figure out why she's wasting her time doing this other than maybe a paycheck, which I don't Everyone begrudge is. any actor doing. Um, but she brings something to it that all that ma'am stuff, I, I really liked it. I like that, that she has such grace and she's so funny. Uh, I liked most of the actors in this. I really liked Corey Stahl. I've never seen him other than, yeah, uh, night in Paris. Um, that's so awesome that he was Hemingway. Wow. Okay. And I and I kind of like having to sort of backfill on the you know why did why did that guy bother doing the uh, the hack of the picture? He just doesn't have to do that. Why does he do that? Why and, does he do that? And Smoke why? Did, yeah, I mean they're they're doing red herrings on purpose. Um, uh, I I kind of like that stuff. I mean I, I I liked having to do that mental work for them. I mean why? Well, can I ask the Christie? Why, why uh, Scoot McNary bothers to do the whole thing where he's asking the questions outside the airport. Um, I'm, I, I mean, I kind of I like some of that. I, I hate, I absolutely hate that, that. I mean, one of the things that's so wonderful about Die Hard is, is Hans Gruber saying, you know, we, you know admitting we, we just wanted money. <laughs> It's, we, we're not, you know, the Asian Dawn is something we found in Time Magazine. We don't care about any of these causes. We're just here for money. I mean, that's that's sort of the diehard test is is this whole huge construct is none of it matters. Which, and, but Die Hard had a playfulness that was absolutely absent. Here. Yeah. And, and yeah, you're right. Nick. I mean, the Die Hard, at least, you know, John McTiernan was having a grand old time the with the levels. 80s genre of of, of testosterone action movies and there's no I, I don't think yeah like Kelly's saying energy levels like there's none of that playfulness well yeah, I'm afraid some flames come out come on that's good shit well I'm afraid that this, that this is sort of part and parcel of what Kelly was joking about with com- comedic actors playing these roles is that Liam Neeson has a certain gravity to him because of not only what's gone on in his personal life but because of the roles he's played and you know now that he's played now that he's been in the in the gray and then taken it. I mean, he has to have a certain weight to what he's doing. He can't goof around. And so there's not going to be that kind of goofiness that you get from Bruce Willis in Die Hard. 
Right. He's phoning it in the same as Bruce Willis did. I know. I know. I I totally disagree. I think he does a great job in it. Uh, see, because I, I Diggins, have you seen Taken or do you know? Yeah. Taken? Okay, because I think Taken there's. I, Taken has more of a sense of its absurdity that I don't think this necessarily does, yeah. and I think even I, I, it's certainly not diehard levels, but there's more of a playfulness to Taken, and it's sort of a whimsy, I guess. Really? Um, this movie yeah. thinks it's that, though. It thinks it's funny. I mean, like I said before for our, our podcast for Three Days to Kill, I think Taken is a is a father's fantasy about, I'm going to make sure, uh, this is to prove all daughters in the world that their fathers know best, because by golly, this is what's going to happen if they don't listen to their dads warn them about strangers. Um, I mean, I think that's the entire subtext of Taken, is that, that goofiness, you know, I'm that goofy, I'm going to be the uber dad. Uh, and But I think he takes it absolutely seriously. You know, that, I mean, I think his his attitude is different from Bruce Willis's like welcome to the party pal. No, it's definitely not diehard levels. And I agree with you there, but it's certainly I I agree. Like here, it's definitely grim. There's no playfulness, but I do think there is a little bit of playfulness. There's a, there's a little bit of slyness to Taken that yeah. I would have loved to have seen here. Um, also, in die see they try to have the cake in it too. Because like Die Hard, he didn't get the sense it was just some random day in his life, and he was just showing up there. But it's like now Liam Neeson's playing the same. The badass who yeah. can do anything, and he can suddenly make the shot, even though he's totally bombed. Well, and I'm with Kelly too about the whole, you know, the uh, the dead daughter thing, because that's the gray. I thought handled it beautifully. I mean, I yeah. love that, Kelly. You're 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 crazy about the gray, uh, yeah. In, in how you don't like it, but I love <laughs> that reveal in the gray, and I love how they played with it, and I love how they threaded it into the movie gradually. I mean, Joe Carnahan. Definitely knows what he's doing in a way that Joam Kalo. Well, like this. Yeah, th- this uh, is a worst case scenario. Of that kind of deal. Yeah. Um, Although there's that a was, waste of time on it. That was pretty nauseating. When you know, for me, that was a, a moment where I kind of wanted to. I kind of threw up in my mouth a little bit when you know he's he's told uh, he's told Jen Summers. Uh, you know, she now she's an adult, and then later we find out she died as a kid. I'm like, why? Come on. Well, even that scene, that scene is so clumsy, too, where you just unfold your character motivation to a stranger for the sake of, you know, that's their version of character development. We're going to have Liam Neeson talk to a complete stranger to unfold his, un, basically unpack his backstory to the patient listening woman. Uh, and I just, that, that also was an early part of the movie where I was just like, really? That's what you're Well, so, suddenly I understand, I, I, I'm suddenly, I'm trying, I'm sorry to have to, try to justify the movie but uh, i'm wondering if 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 air marshals have to have some sort of character that they talk about when people bother them i mean it's not like bridesmaids i mean i wonder if, <laughs> if a like guy backstory I'm an alcoholic fear well, of flying. well i wonder i wonder if like if during <laughs> their training the they're like you need to have something that's close to your own life that you can talk about and has to be absolutely real um, and and if if an air marshal has to have a character, and I, I, I wonder if there's that part of it that they're consultants. <laughs> yeah. And if they, if this is your if this movie's like oh this that's what he was doing it was all his cover story like the yarns there. No, but really, why not? I mean, what if there's some sort he's of not cover? He's just a guy. Fucking... An air marshal's not undercover, is he? Like he can say, yeah, it was in bridesmaids. No, but it, but if you sit down oh, right. next to yeah. an air marshal, anybody you sit next to, are you an air marshal? No, I mean what. They they can't very well tell you because no, if, if you, you're the terrorist, then no, you stab them. Because if you ask them, they have to answer the question. Oh, okay. Really? It's, it's like law. it's like somebody in the Vice Squad. Yeah, if you're undercover and they ask you, "Are you a cop?" Then you have to say, "Yeah." Right. But the pilot can lie. 
Uh, what's the deal with Anson Mount? I do not get that guy. <laughs> Where is he like, from? What are you talking about? Anson Mount? It sounds like you're talking about some sort of a... Well, I, thought, thing. I thought, why do I know who he is? I thought he was on Supernatural, but he's not. Ah, uh, that. Why do I know what he's from? He's just funny looking to me. Yeah, we, we know him from something dumb. I'm and he's not convincing in any at anything. I was like, what? who is that guy and why, why is the movie wanting me to think that he's an air marshal? I am not buying that for a second. Um, I don't remember what we've seen him in, but, uh, oh, oh, didn't he play, isn't he, isn't he affiliated with some Superman related thing? Maybe not. I don't it's know. It's like the poor man's James Marsden. He kind of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kelly Wand, yes. Ouch. <laughs> Just really the bottom. I don't really understand why he's in this or why he has drugs or does or what's actually happening with him. Uh, how did we feel about poor, uh, Lupita Nyong'o? Is that how you say her name? Uh, she's Sean. coasting. She doesn't have much to do. She's fine. Okay. I didn't even recognize her until what? three quarters of the way through the movie. I was like, uh, oh, that's totally Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shea Wiggum's voice. I, I always love me a Shea Wiggum appearance. And during the movie, I was like, man, whose voice is that? i got to make a note of the <laughs> character. Because I, I, I was thinking, that really sounds familiar. And then when he shows up at the end of the movie, I was like, oh, I like you a little bit more, movie. Thank you. <laughs> it's just like, did they just have like an extra day from Furious 6 and he came over here? <laughs> Why is he in this Biggest, do you know the first place I saw Shea Wiggum, the first movie? No. All the Real Girls. Uh, I'm not familiar with that. A movie that you love. Uh, oh, by Gordon. the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who did that movie. Uh, all right, so Dingus... I did uh, Hi, Your Highness. Is that who did that? Did uh, Dingus think this was like a lesser Hitchcock? Or like a major... I don't uh, know. Anson Mount played Greg on Sex and the City. Maybe that's right. <laughs> oh yeah, that's you've outed me, Kelly Wand. You got me. I watch a lot of Sex in the City. That's how I know who he is. <laughs> Played Greg. Greg, sure. No, everybody remembers Remember? his character. Yeah, uh, the Greg. The Greg. Yeah, there's only. Um, did you guys even like the the tech stuff? I mean, like the text, like the cool stuff concept. that they did with texting. I mean, the way that they 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 finally uh, the way they. You showed it visually instead of like making us look at phones the whole time. Though we would, you'd see it like floating in the background and then come into the foreground, or like the picture-in-picture picture stuff where the picture would appear on the screen. I mean, I, I kind of like the way the text was doing and the and the um uh oh, what do they call it when uh CG? No, not CG. <laughs> like when you're when you're right, you wouldn't know this, Tom, because you've never used a cell phone. But when you're when you're filling in text and uh, autocomplete. Autocomplete. Auto 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 computers do that as well. Okay, I don't think you've ever used a computer. Uh, uh, it reminded me of the movie Catfish. Oh, Jesus. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> really? Did that just happen? I liked the visuals of that. I liked I liked the, the floating texts and how they would be in the background. Unfortunately, there like, was text to the text that I had to read. It's like subtitles. Yeah, really want. Uh, I, I'm with you, Dingus, but I've seen that done that well. In better? Places. I mean, um, I guess better. Yeah, like, you know, Sherlock Holmes played, uh, the BBC Sherlock Holmes played yeah. a lot. It was a good text um, thing on there, I remember. I, I did appreciate that the action, I've seen way too many movies that are supposedly tapping into our anxiety about flight that betray the focus on one location, that, that leave the plane, basically. Um, there's a sequel to... Uh, to 
Quarantine? Yeah, Quarantine 2. That's a good one. But it's a good one while it's on the plane, but it's called, Kelly Wan, Quarantine 2, colon, The Terminal, which is its mistake because the plane lands and they get out and they faff about on the – Yeah, but then she goes back to the plane. But I liked it when it was on the plane. (laughs) It stayed – because part of the point of a plane is, like you know, very Hitchcock tradition. It's the self-contained setting like in Lifeboat is you can't get out of the plane, uh, and that's part of the appeal. And when you cheat and get out of the plane, I feel like you've – well, yeah. cheated, and I appreciate here that they didn't get out of the plane. Um, so think, I'll give them. So the scariest plane flight mm-hmm. in movies, I'd say, is the Langoliers. <laughs> That's not a movie, you fucking. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a made-for-TV movie. I've watched all eight whatever hours of Langoliers, Kelly Wand, in the last couple of years. <laughs> it's not a movie, and I've never seen it. Uh, Final Destinations was good. Remember that one? But they get off the plane. Eventually. That's the whole point. What do you mean? Eventually. No, but when they first get on there, and before you know what the movie's about, and Stifler's like, oh my god, that is Stifler, isn't it? I forget about that. There's like a handicapped dude with an oxygen tank, and then a guy goes, "Boy, you'd be a fucked up guy to knock this one off," and then it gets knocked off like nine times. <laughs> huh, uh, I didn't like the set. Like I thought, man, that's pretty in this cavernous airplane. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know the set of the plane. Nah, yeah, oh, I liked it very much, and I loved how he moved through it. No, I, I love how he's sad. dragging passengers between seats and just that running totally into stuff. Like it was huge. It was an enormous cavernous airplane. Liam Neeson should have to duck his head down in any airplane. I should have felt claustrophobic and going, "Yeah, he's right. a big dude." Should we just like, Ugh. no, just all the room? There's a point where he passes in. You know, there's the the middle tier of seats, and where he drags Scoot McNary through. You can't yeah. walk in. Oh, I love that. And he shoots uh, through aisles and the explosion goes through. Like, they wanted to make him do this plane so big. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> up. It's like McGee's idea. <laughs> or Michael Bay. Like, it, yeah, let's not, let's not trash McGee after we like three days to kill. It's very much like a Michael Bay airplane. Um, right. Yeah, it wasn't, it just wasn't, it wasn't a convincing set. I was just very aware they were on a set. Here's I another thing. I love those first class seats, though. It was like they're inside. Yeah, those, yeah, like exactly. roller coaster. Uh, although they were very careful to call it, I think, business class. Uh, business, that's right. More sympathetic if it's... Wait, so the air marshal's sitting up in business class? Well, one of them, Anson Mount, before Anson Mount got the job to sit back and coach. <laughs> you mean Greg? Uh, yeah, Greg. His last name's Mount. Um, what do you think of that? One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 degrees, yeah. and I'm caught in between. Margot Robbie. Oh, by the way, never mind. Yes, Kelly Wand. Just in Wolf of Wall Street, it wasn't Margot Robbie's crack that he does blow out of. So. All right, thanks for the Wolf of Wall Street report. <laughs> An Oscar. I don't think so. It's also an in, involves gravity, snorting blow out of. Mm, I think most things do involve gravity, unless uh, unless you're in space. Does Anson Mount have an equator? Five. Or a circumference. Fuck! An equator, ouch. <laughs> Damn it! Nobody doesn't have any weight. Tom, you know what? I, come on, back me up when I made fun of you just now. <laughs> uh, no, I want Dickens to tell us what this week's 3x3 three three is. Oh, uh, yeah. All right, these are your three favorite character delusions. I uh, gave you an example of... Marvin Dorfler from uh, Midnight Run uh, talking about how smart he was, and he's he's a total idiot. 
so this is characters who think they are something that they are not, basically. So every movie character, most of them, really. Right, right. Or you could just say actors, because they don't know they're in a horror movie. Tom, he's picking on me. Mm-hmm. Then why don't you uh, give him the what for by giving him your number three pick for a favorite yeah. character delusion? What for? My number three character delusion is in Fish Called Wanda, because Jamie Lee Curtis explains the delusion to Kevin Klein and goes, you think Velvet Underground's a fabric that's underground or something? <laughs> All right, Kelly Wand. Man, that's awesome. I'm sure a lot of readers or, or listeners will also have that pick. Uh, five bucks says a listener says it. Who gets that? Who gets the five bucks? The listener. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number three pick uh, is, and I don't know if this is exactly what Dingus was going for. Uh, no, I think I explained what Dingus was going for. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to go with Edward Norton not thinking that he's Brad Pitt in Fight Club. Is that a character Wait, he didn't think he was. No, that he didn't. Was the- he didn't know. Uh, well, he, oh, right. You're, right, you're, right, you're, right. you're right. So the first part, he didn't have the delusion. The second <sighs> part, he did. Um, no, yeah, wait, you were right the first time. You're, yeah, like, been, um, you're letting Kelly Wan correct you right now. You know that, right? Well, but what was the delusion yeah. and what was the reality? Dengus? Dengus. If you can't tell me, then I'm not going to. Well, the delusion was that he didn't know that he was Tyler Durden. That is his delusion. The reality is that he was Tyler Durden. The delusion is, hey, I'm narrator. Brad Pitt is Tyler Durden. We're separate people. That's the delusion. It's like right. Dengus thinking that you and I are separate. Wait, what? <laughs> Uh, does that count, Dingus? Yeah, I'm... sure. Why not? Okay. Mm-hmm. I was going for sim- simpler things. That's really that's big. Oh, I didn't. Of the three of us, Dingus looks the most like Anson Mount. I'm, <laughs> I'm not comfortable <laughs> with Anson Mount. <laughs> Came out wrong. Dingus does have a certain resemblance to Anson Mount. Like yeah, when his hair is longer, definitely. It's like Wesley, what's his name from American Beauty meets. That's him. great. I look like the guy you can never believe in anything you've ever seen. <laughs> you like how they good. put they put uh, those glasses on Anson Mount in uh, in uh, uh, the movie we saw in Nonstop to make him look more like a, a professional. Well, that was his disguise. It turned out. <laughs> it really how could you not love that bath, that lavatory fight? That's fine, yeah, but because it was in the movie nonstop, that was the problem. Uh, and that no right. one heard it and went, what? Curtis so if it had been in uh, Game of Thrones, it would have been fine. Anson Mount would never be cast in Game of Thrones, just Kit Harington. His name is Mount. Don't they have horses in that? Mm, that's not how they cast TV shows, Dingus. As they far have as I know. horses, don't they? <laughs> uh, I'm going to guess that at least one listener writes in with Fight Club. Five bucks. I'm not betting. I'm just guessing. No, I'm just saying the words. Oh, okay. To, to, to peak interest. Kelly wants to say Wait, a sum yeah. of money. Um, a sum of money? All right, Dingus, what is your number three? Show us how this is done. What's your number three pick? For it's definitely not the way we're doing it. <laughs> uh, number three, here's a quote from it. You know the first thing they should have taught you at hooker school? You get the money up front. That's a that's pretty true. woman. That's pretty woman. No, it's I mean, not pretty woman. It's oh. from the movie no Hard. In that movie. It's from the movie Hard Eight, and the uh, character delusion is from Clementine, played by Gwyneth Paltrow. And uh, the quote that I would use about the delusion, although I like the response from Sydney Philip Baker Hall better, is when she says because um, because he thought I was because 
he thought he was smart and I was stupid and I'm not stupid. And I love it when a character thinks she's smart and isn't. And this is, uh, you know, she's with uh, John C. Riley, and they think they've got this great thing going, and they think they've got all these plans, and she has no idea. And so this this moment where she's, I mean, they're they're in this room with this John that they failed to collect the money from and he's just refused to pay them. And then they beat the hell out of him and they take him as a hostage basically. And then Philip Baker Hall has to come in. Sydney has to come in and say, what the hell are you doing? You take the money up front. And you know, her response is, you know, he thought he was smart and I was stupid and I'm not stupid. And she's clearly stupid. And I love how Gwyneth Paltrow plays this part. It's one of her, best parts and it's just a freaking great movie so don't hard. most stupid people not know that they're stupid yeah i don't know i'm just not only that. that but the stupider they are the smarter they think they are hmm. in my right experience. and and that's kind of what inspired this and that when i watched part eight when we were talking about philip seymour hoffman i loved that moment and there's also there's a similar moment um not necessarily a moment, but when you're looking at Samuel L. Jackson's character in this movie, just characters who, who actually, you see the delusion, you actually hear them say uh, that about themselves. I just love that moment. Good. Okay. Uh, little Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, does she get her head put in a box in the end of that movie? She does, but she ships it herself, so uh, she gets a little discount. Being smart means thinking outside the box. The weird thing is that she ships it to Barton Fink, and it's kind of like, why would you do that? <laughs> mm, too soon. Kelly Wand, can you top that? What's your number two pick for uh, a character delusion in a movie? My number two pick is Inspector Clouseau, because I was thinking that, because in the movies, he gets what? dumber. From what movie, please? Oh, um, Pink Panther Strikes Back. Starring the Steve one. Martin. Wait, that's the fourth one. Because that's the one where they go... Oh, by the way, he's also super lucky. Which is he up me, all night to get lucky? Tom. <laughs> Did that? <laughs> so what is his delusion exactly? I was thinking that biopics always win Best Picture. From the King's Speech to Avatar to whatever one did Gladiator. Gladiator's a biopic. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump's the only one that was not racially motivated. This has been Oscar Talk, brought to you by Kelly Wand. What was the question? Uh, That was a shock. How did that happen? (laughs) My number two is Clouseau from Pink Panther Strikes Back, because that's the one where they go, oh, he's lucky, but stupid. So, like, the universe is um, out to kill Herbert Lom's character. So what is his actual delusion, not the universe's? That he thinks he's the best detective ever. But so it's actually, basically the same delusion that Gwyneth Paltrow has in Heart 8. Exactly. She thinks she's a detective. This, this miss, uh, this miss, a bad perception about one's own intelligence. She so. also thinks that dog doesn't bite. See, Forrest Gump knew how dumb he was. But he knew what love was, Tom. He knew he was not a smart man. He could get the job, but could he do the job? All right. So Tom, what is Tom. your number two character delusion? My number two character is I don't again, this might be too much from the in the vein of Fight Club, but it's uh it's a movie called High Tension, directed by Alexander Aja. Oh, where hmm. why are you going, ah oh, Jesus? This is because this movie I go ahead. 
Do you think? Is it doing it wrong? <laughs> so a John Cusack, where he's it's just, the movie Microsoft. makes no sense. Stop it. Go. Talk about the movie makes no sense. Makes no, makes no sense. sense. He what? can see the gears working, Tom. <laughs> That's right. Is this the same way that Matthew McConaughey being a great actor makes no sense? As opposed no. to Julianne Moore. The, and uh, Go ahead. Emily so Lewis. High Tension is uh, Alexander Aja did a movie called Piranha 3D, about uh, which my theory <laughs> is that it's about pornography. Uh, and High Tension is also about uh, – it's about – the premise of High Tension is that female sexuality is uh, is a murderous fat trucker. That's what Pee Wee uh, Adventure teaches. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, so a, a woman. So High Tension is a slasher movie uh, about um, these two girls that go to stay with one of the girls' family for a weekend in the countryside, whatever. And this fat trucker starts slaughtering people. But uh, spoiler: if you haven't seen High Tension, um, the the murder is the the main girl is actually the one she's the killer and the idea is that her sexuality her repressed sexuality uh drives her to kill people like uh it, it's something that is so deep-seated in her and that she's so in denial that she imagines that this murderous fat trucker is after her and so he doesn't even happening. exist right Right, he doesn't even exist, right. yeah. and it's it's all a metaphor for her sexuality. Right. Um, so the eighteen wheels are inches. So nothing that happens could have happened in the movie. Huh. Right. No, she murders she murders her friend's family, and then forces the friend to admit that she's in love with her and gets killed. I mean, it's it's a movie from the perspective of the serial killer. Um, what do you mean nothing happens? Of course, all of it happens. No, nothing that could have happened that the fat trucker could have done. Could have actually had. I, 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 this such the worst cheat. I, wait, wait, I don't understand what your complaint is. What do you mean nothing could have happened? Those things couldn't have happened if she were the only one doing them. Uh, I think. Okay, let me Which see. One? Kid killed with a shotgun. A woman's a, throat. A, 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 a dresser jamming somebody's head between the rails of the staircase. The thing that happens in the beginning with the ice with the truck with the, the well, the truck is all right. Right, none of the truck doesn't exist. The truck. That's what I'm saying. All of that is like a metaphor. Well, for that's the just a cheat. It's why I, I hate high tension. You I want this never to end. Have you heard of the concept of an unreliable narrator, Dingus? Because yes, I have heard of it. The things you see in the movie. Are, are the things we see in the movie are indicative of her state of mind. They are not objective representations. While she's masturbating, a fat trucker is not driving up to the house. Good. That right there Fantastic. is that, that right there. There's a reason that they are intercutting her masturbating with this evil black truck pulling up to the house. That's great. It's, 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 it's all sense. fantasy, but I think it's cheating. I mean, I don't. Know that they, I'm not saying that the is fight isn't cheating? exciting and scary, but cheating? I don't. But once we get to the reveal at the end. I'm like, oh, really? I mean, it's it's one of those movies where I just the reveal doesn't stack up for me. I mean, I I, I found the movie exciting and scary, but at the well, reveal it falls from, apart. Wait, you've gone from saying likes the movie. <laughs> wait, you've gone from saying that none of those things could have happened to the reveal Eddie, stack up. Scary, yeah, yeah none of those things could have happened. The things they that all happen. They're those, even caught on inside. film. They're caught on film when she That's kills the gas true. station attendant with an axe. It is yeah. filmed. The police see it. We see what actually happened. Why are you anti-police, Dingus? <laughs> Why are you anti-French slasher chicks? That's what yeah. I don't understand. How I like the chicks. I just don't like the movie. In, in, the, in, the final, in the final analysis, I liked watching it, but at the end... It, final analysis is a good movie, too. Tell me how you guys felt at the end of Nonstop. I was picking up both of us when... <laughs> I know. <laughs> the movie 
is laughing at him. It's kind of funny. You know what else? None of the things could have happened uh, in your next. None of those things. Here we could go. Happen, by the way, Here we go. Let's, none of those. Could yeah, they could have. Talk about any movie. Oh, I see. <laughs> they didn't know they were in a horror movie. Hey, Raiders of Lost Ark. Uh, love, was love. lost. Uh, but don't you think that's a delusion that a, a fat, murderous trucker is chasing you? That's a delusion, right? That's an illusion. How do you know, though, Dingus, that what you saw was real, though? Like, I think that's what Tom's kind of saying. What you saw was clearly not real, though. Yeah, you see? Think that's that what I'm saying. So yeah. then how can Dingus go, oh, that couldn't have happened, even though it wasn't real? Like, he's saying, even in unreality. That but that's this is kind of like time travel. This is then the, the uh, filmmaker can just hide anything he wants. Well, that's kind of the point of an unreliable narrator. <laughs> I guess that's what that means. Yeah, fine. Then your unreliable narrator is no better than a, than a screenwriter writing about time travel. It's fine. Uh, you know, so do you feel the same way, for instance, about holding Caulfield and Catcher in the Rye? That's an unreliable narrator. Do you have a problem with J.D. What Sal? the hell does that mean? That's a great example of an unreliable narrator. What are you talking about? Flowers for Algernon. I I'm guess talking about when you when you have somebody who's not <laughs> self aware, who's where, where it's told from a, sub, a subjective perspective. Uh, There's telltale not heart person objective view of the events. Telltale heart. Poe exactly. Boom. Yeah, yeah, at least Kelly Wan drew from the same genre from horror. It's a Chekhov's heart. Except, except you're talking about two different media. I mean, ooh, Tom. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, there are other movies. Right. Right. Catcher in the Rye is different from High Tension. I agree. But the concept applies to all media. Yeah. Uh, no, it does not. Unreliable narrators think us predate movies. No, there's there's differences between unreliable narrators, and I think High Tension in the end doesn't work. I mean, it works going through it, and then when you get to the end, it falls apart. How does it fall apart? Because everything is explained in – like you don't have to rely on this crazy stuff about timing where Scoot McNary knows exactly what time Anson Mount is going to get his neck broken in the bathroom. <laughs> none of that happens in high tension. Yeah, There's none of that sort of contrivance in high tension. High tension is about the movie tricking you into thinking you're watching one thing, and then there's a reveal at the right. end where you're instead – you have been watching something else. It's the same as Fight Club, right, by the way. Right, right. whole I, idea of an imaginary character and an, an, an identity being revealed – um, and and I, a- I think Fight Club holds up, and I think High Tension doesn't. I think there's, you know, it's fine if a movie tricks me, but if it if it tricks me effectively, that's fine. I mean, I'm I'm willing to tip my hat to a movie like Fight Club, where I'm like, <laughs> good, you you tricked me effectively. High Tension no, doesn't I do that. Couch. When I get to the end of High Tension, I say, oh, come on. And I don't say that at the end of Fight Club. I mean, oh, it's fine if you do. Well, I can't I argue. Don't say that. Can't argue with someone saying, "Oh, come on!" I don't really know what to do with that. But okay, and I can't argue with someone. Oh, come on! But Tom was in the rye. Please. (laughs) What? Uh, But books existed before movies, so an unreliable narrator that existed in fiction before. Tell me, what's an example of another movie with an unreliable narrator? Help me out here. Uh, Godfather. Well, I think Fight Club is a great one, but uh, Godfather is unreliable. Well, from if they made a prequel from Fredo's point of view, he'd probably be. He'd probably. You're just saying movies. Conversation. The conversation, exactly. Thank you, Kelly. Conversation doesn't hold up for me. It ends, and then I just go, what? come on. I'm, I'm you can make fun of me all you want. High tension does not hold up. It just falls <laughs> apart for me at the end. Because I don't believe she could have done all of those things. I don't believe it. I think it's just a trick. And that's fine if you want to try to do that. 
So it's Dingus cute. thinks that women it's can't, a gimmick. can't be slashers. Is what no, I think women. Uh, I think that mm. particular woman couldn't have shoved that dresser to oh. break the guy's neck. And all the, there's many other things that I don't think she was see able her, to be able to do twice. You actually see her wail away at somebody with a club wrapped in bob wire Good. and using a power saw. And that, that doesn't work for me. Well, I can't dispute that, but you're wrong to say it couldn't happen. Because high tension is based <laughs> on a true story. Yeah. Oh, good lord. That's there's probably point. a title card that says that at the beginning, based on actual events. The movie's like, a documentary. Like Fargo. And, <laughs> and the one part they researched was the railing of the stairs, I read. Yeah, that was the one that's most plausible. Exactly. Right, good point. They yeah, tried women, in a laboratory. A woman can't scooch a dresser? Yeah, that's sexist. That's, how dare you? Why are you anti-women? Yeah. Scooch McNary could. I've seen women move furniture, Dingus. I know it can happen. If you know what I'm saying. And especially trucker women. Whose turn is it? Kelly Wand, get us... Oh, no, My Dingus, what, what is your number two example of an unreliable narrator in a movie? Uh, here's a quote from it. But quite frankly, your attitude appalls me. It's not what you're saying. It's all this stuff you're not saying. Instuendos. <laughs> that sounds like what Dingus just told you about... <laughs> I know. <laughs> whatever, your, whatever movie it is, Dingus, whatever you're sure doesn't hold up for me. I agree with you. Because it couldn't have happened. That's right. Mark Fink not, was complete bullshit. It's not, no if way that J.D. Salinger had written it, it totally would hold up. <laughs> J.D. Salinger was in Barton Fink as himself before they shot it. That wasn't him. Vibes. So anyway, I can't do the accent because if I could, you'd need subtitles for it. Uh, but this is Don Logan um, from Sexy Beast. And uh, one of the things I love about Don Logan is that he thinks he's a professional. And he's talking about being a professional when he's yelling at, um, oh, geez, I can't even remember what his name is, but he's yelling at him and he's talking Ray about. Ray Winstone. No, oh, Ray Winstone. Thank you, Tom. And he, and he talks about, uh, all this stuff you're not saying, this in, in, insinuendo. Um, and, and Don Logan uses the word insinuendo and he thinks he's this professional, uh, but really he's just this psychotic, angry little boy. And that's one of the little things I love. I mean, I don't like to necessarily uh, bring up commentary tracks when I'm talking about picking uh, uh, what pick I pick. But um, at that moment where uh, where his character pees on the floor and the commentary track, Ben Kingsley kind of goes, he's just an angry little boy. And I love that Don Logan thinks he's this professional. He's talking, he's just screaming about being a professional and uh, and just... When really he's just a psycho. I'm trying to think if Don Lo- he's not a narrator though. Is uh is Angel Ray Hart. Winstone's character an unreliable Angel Hart's an unreliable narrator? Yeah. Uh is the boulder a metaphor? Reliable narrators. Come on. Thing is, what's the boulder a metaphor for in Sexy Beast? <laughs> a pool. Nope. And Kingsley's nose. Nope. nope. It's a metaphor for the past. It's, it's a metaphor for female sexuality as a black trucker. That would be it. Now, whoa, whoa. This is, the trucker's wow. not black. You don't even see his face. What? Dingus. Taking a is, chainsaw. Wow, yeah. Where did that come from, Dingus? Because you said it was in a black fat trucker. No, they've got it. He's got some kind of. It's like a UPS truck. It's like a, a European UPS truck that he drives up at. So you never see. I don't think you see his. You never see his Why face. Why is Dingus anti fat? Um, it's. Uh, yeah, it's. it's uh, I don't think that you see. Yeah, Dingus, I'm uncomfortable with that. You do see him uh, <laughs> filleting a severed head and then chucking <laughs> it out the window, which is and that, and totally which, comfortable. Which does so, I mean, happen apparently. Not uh, not filleting it. Uh, be, yeah, he's not filleting the head. He's receceding the filleting from the head. The, the head has nothing to fillet. 
He's getting head. Yes, from yes. He's uh, giving himself giving head. head, with the head. It's, he's obviously seen Reanimator recently and is reenacting it, but swapping the roles around. The he's gen- reanimating Reenactor. Okay, oh, can I do my number one pick now? Wait, I thought it was my turn. Oh, Kelly Wand, <laughs> go. What's your number one favorite delusion or unreliable narrator? Because I can't wait. My my number one is a great. No, it's not or unreliable narrator. If you want to choose unreliable narrator for another different topic. Well, my number one is to morph the topic. It is both a delusion and an unreliable narrator. Good, that's yours. This is is delusions. Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah. uh, Okay, my number one, which I think will solve the whole this whole uh, controversy, I think effectively, um, is in number Star Wars when. Vader doesn't know that he's already met C-3PO and R2-D2 before, but R2-D2 is totally playing his little head games with him. So He has met them before? Oh, because he made them. Made he them. made one of them, and yeah. the other one, they hung out That's together. They, uh, okay, I'm going to R2. not about retconning. Uh, yeah, well, so he, basically, Kelly Wan, your delusion is George Lucas uh, <laughs> thinking that he's being consistent. Well, he's the RL Vader, isn't he? I guess so. I'm going to make six movies about me and my family. Okay, here are lines for my number one pick. And I love this. Uh, I love the. I, I didn't get to hear farts after saying it. Do it? Huh? I was wondering if he farts after saying that. No, that was me commenting on George Lucas's digestive peculiarities based on his work. Okay, here are some lines. Ready? Any more questions, Zingus, about my picks? Okay. Uh, the leader bottle's the only thing that ever caught on because it's a nicer word than court. 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 Anyone? Are you saying court or court for your reading? Uh, I have an accent. Don't make fun of it. Okay, here's another line. Uh, I'll even floss in the shower while the conditioner's in my hair during the part when you're supposed to just leave it in. Those things can add up to significant time savings. Oh, Here's another one. Here's one for Kelly Wand. Here's one for Kelly Wand. That's a good. Okay. I love this movie. Uh, Here's one for Kelly Wand. Guys in suits buying used girls' panties? How is that okay? That's not okay. (laughs) And Kelly Wand, these are all voiceovers. It's just someone running through stream of consciousness during various scenes. These are the kind of things that are playing in his head. Well, I know that's your French accent. Uh, panties is a word from Etruscan. Uh, knowing that this is a delusion is kind of—it's not really a spoiler, but this is a, this is actually a biopic, you could say. Hmm. Uh, it's based on a real person, a fellow named Mark Whitaker, uh, who was indicted for embezzling from—I don't know if he actually worked for Archer Daniels Midland. I guess he did, but he—he uh, he was a. At a, at a big corporation, and the FBI enlisted him. He was a whistleblower, and he worked with the FBI to reveal some price fixing that was going on. But as the in whistleblowing, uh, at, I'm sorry, in whistleblowing, that was his at Archer Daniels Midland. Yeah. It's a big oh, 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 oh. corporation. Right. Um, but as the investigation went on, it came out that he was actually embezzling a lot of money from them, and he was eventually arrested and put in jail for this. So a fellow we really like, and by we I mean me and Dingus, because Kelly hasn't no idea who this is, named Scott Burns, wrote a script uh, for a movie that Steven Soderbergh directed called The Informant. And it's got a capital, it's got an exclamation exclamation. at the end. Um, And Scott Burns based it on the real story of Mark Whitaker. Uh, Scott Burns' script basically... It doesn't excuse Mark Whitaker, but it, it posits, hey, what if this Mark Whitaker guy 
really had some kind of bipolar disorder going on where he was under this delusion about this denial about him being the bad guy and him working with the FBI. Uh, and Matt Damon's performance in this and Steven Soderbergh just captures it so wonderfully as this this guy who thinks he's doing this great thing but ends up being a white collar criminal uh, is is fascinating because Matt Damon he looks he's he's kind of bloated and puffy yeah. he's gained ridiculous weight. he gained weight and he's got a ridiculous mustache and his hair just looks incredibly dorky and it's such a self-effacing performance and the voiceovers are just ri- ridiculous um yeah. but the character that you end up meeting and, and his own delusions about who he is and who he isn't is kind of heartbreaking by the time it's over um so i, I love this movie and uh matt damon is fantastic in it it just reminds me yeah you know Whatever, Elysium was stupid. Uh, but Matt Damon is, is really a far better actor than I think he often gets credit for. Um, he was good as Bourne, wasn't he? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, but that's kind of like his action movie stuff. There's some real, um, not pathos, but uh, maybe that's a good word for it. There, there's, a, there's a lot of d- a different kind of weight to the informant. I, I think. think pathos is a good way to put it. Okay. Uh, do you remember what his secret agent number was? No, what was his secret agent number? He was 0014. <laughs> you know why? Because it's twice as good as James Bond? Because it's twice as smart as 007. <laughs> <laughs> it, it made me think of that scene. Uh, we did, I don't I didn't really like Contagion that much, but there's that great scene where, like, I like when Matt Damon is playing, I don't know about dumb, but just not a super, not as that Jason Bourne preternatural insight into things. Like, Bourne is almost superhuman. I, I like when he's oh, saying, uh, when in Contagion, there's that great scene where the doctor comes up to him and says, uh, I'm sorry, your wife is dead. And he <sighs> says, well, well, can I talk to her? <laughs> the doctor's like, I, she passed away. We lost her. He says, what, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, he just yeah. can't wrap his head around. I love that scene. Yeah. Uh, and, and just, uh, Matt Damon kind of playing clueless or not super bright or, uh, before surprised. Yeah. It's in the trailer, that line. It, I don't know. I mean, you guys may, might hate Goodwill Hunting, but... I've never um, seen that. Is there some of that in Goodwill Hunting? I haven't seen the informant. Well, he's a genius, but he's... Oh, it's, so, it's like a savant role, right? Right. But he's also dense. I mean, he, I think he's wonderful. In it. I mean, I love the guys in there. God, isn't there Ben Affleck in that, though? Yeah. To watch ben he plays Affleck. dumb in it. Uh, it's Ben Affleck, but it's it's Ben Affleck, and there's some Casey Affleck in there too to sort of what? live in it. Remember that literal Casey Affleck? Oh yeah, yeah, he's in there. I mean, that's where they all kind of get their start. Casey Affleck's in there. They're all part of the same crew. They're wa- they're going around Boston acting Bostony, um, and Ben Affleck does this ridiculous like over the top thing where he pretends to be Matt Damon going in on an interview for a job, and he's just doing this. He's just being totally silly. Um, but I really like Matt Damon, and I mean, it's it's it's. I don't think you'd like the to watch the movie because you have to deal with not only those guys, but you also have to deal with Robin Williams acting earnest. What? Oh my God, Dingus! Uh, yeah, I don't recommend you watch it. But the stuff that Matt Damon is doing in sort of doing this sort of, I'm super smart, but I'm also I have this density about me is great. I mean, he's just. I think he's great. He is a, my- this is a great pick. Informant is a great pick. Well, thank you. 
Uh, and he is one of my favorite oceans as well, even though I didn't pick him for Kelly Wands 3x3. Well, it happens. My favorite's the acrobat. <laughs> Kelly Wand, what is your... Oh, wait, do we do your number one? I wasn't keeping the notes here. Yeah, so, yeah Darth Vader. Right, right. Star Darth Wars. Vader he doesn't, in a Star Wars movie. He doesn't realize he's on the Death Star, so he's on... Yeah. Dingus, show us how this list is done by giving us your number one pick. All right, here's number one. Uh, I can handle things. I'm smart, not like everybody says, like dumb. Ah. I'm smart, and I want respect. Wait, what's his delusion? He thinks he's smart, and he thinks he deserves well, to run the family. Dude, he, deep down he doesn't. He knows he's not smart. Deep down, are you gonna go? Are you gonna go there? Are you gonna go into him? Tom, he's making fun of me. I don't know the movie. I haven't seen it. Oh my god, <laughs> this is the worst podcast ever. Is it a Godfather movie? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, it's Godfather Part Two. It's Fredo talking about, just screaming about how he was passed over and he's smart. Real. And he can handle things. And I love that scene so much in Godfather 2 where he's on that chair and he's just leaning back in the chair. And the first time I saw it when I was a kid, I just thought he looks like a turtle who's on his back and he can't get up. I love him like on that weird chair where he's leaning back and he's saying, I'm, I'm getting smart. a weird mental picture of this. I can't. Now that you said it like that, I'm picturing. I thought you'd seen ball. Godfather. Fine. I have. They're fine. They're OK. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I. When Dingus love... says like a turtle on his back, I can't. I, I can't. that's from Blade Runner. <laughs> it's a tortoise, same thing. But wait, uh, I thought his real delusion was on the second one when he thinks. Well, I guess that kind of makes your point. We're on the second he one. He's Cause... smarter than he thinks. He's yeah, smart. you're quoting, and he's he's no no. This oh yeah, this you're right, you're right. I'm two. sorry. Dumb. This yeah. is from part two where he, he where he's he's mad that he's been passed over, and he thinks. I mean, he's the older brother. He should be the one who's running the family. And he says, you know, he's screaming this this. This awful, awful, this awful sentence where you say, "I'm, I can handle things. I'm smart, not like everybody says, like dumb. I'm smart, and I want respect. And when everybody, whenever somebody like demands respect, they obviously don't deserve it. And just that that whole thing where he thinks he's smart, and he goes out in the water and he prays the rosary to catch fish. But I just love that line where he's sitting on that chair. Yelling at Michael that he's the smart one and he demands respect and he was passed over. Um, so that Godfather Part Two moment, I just love that delusion where he just thinks, and I just imagine the character for years, the stewing within him. Why was I passed over? I'm the one who should have been Michael. Michael should have been under me. I mean, I just love. I love. Like Connie that. gets more respect than he does. Yeah. So that's one Tom's thing. weird for not liking those first no, two. No, they're fine. I said they're fine. What's no, the, they're really good. And John Cazale, here's the thing. John Cazale, like, right. he was actually really cool, and but he would just dissolve into the part of Fredo. So he, it's like he didn't – it was worth it to him to seem convincing as kind of the pathetic brother. But then compare that to, like, Chloe Gorse Mayotte. What's her name? Chloe Grace Moritz. Chloe, Chloe Gross Moritz. Moritz Grace. Grace Moritz. Grace. The girl from Kick-Ass. Kick As Terry, where right. she's like, I right. can't even have people think that I'm like Harry even for two seconds. Like, I'm just going to make googly eyes and do this weird walk so everyone knows, come on, it's me, Chloe Don't Grace. forget, she wore a baggy dress as well, Kelly Wand. That went Fucking John Cazal is like... Dude, I'm going to get Meryl Streep by playing this dude. Kelly Wan, did Fredo have telekinetic powers, though? No, he didn't. <laughs> I, lo- I love she wore a baggy dress as a title for something. Huh? If he had telepathy, the Hail Mary thing would end differently. He could have made the fish jump into the boat. That's right. Thank you. 
Uh, all right. So, uh, Dingus, do uh, the listeners have any instances of either unreliable narrators or delusions? That Stop. is a good choice, by the way. Stop it. All right. So first we have Mark Wilson Miller, and Wilson Miller is hyphenated. Um, number three, Joaquin Phoenix and her, a man who knowingly refuses drunk sex with Olivia Wilde is obviously delusional or gay. Yeah, she's in that? Apparently. You didn't see her. Oh, no. I, that. I didn't know Olivia Wilde was uh, You could see Drinking Buddies instead. You know who gets to have sex with Olivia Wilde and Drinking Buddies? Yeah. Ty West, the director of House of the Devil. Uh, everyone gets to have sex with her with me. It's not fair. Why? Number two. <laughs> Denzel Washington in Training Day. By the time Denzel gets shot up at the end of the movie, he's been completely stripped of all delusions of grandeur. Power and authority. Mm, he's isn't he sitting there screaming about how he's King Kong? I'd say that that's yeah. still pretty convinced that he's powerful. <laughs> he's an arrival narrator in Fallen, huh? I haven't seen that one. Is that where he's an angel, or is that the time travel one? Really like you. My favorite delusions of grandeur moment uh, is when C three PO is saying that. Hey Tom, did you know time travel works? But it can only go back in time to when the machine is on. <laughs> Does the podcast time travel, Paul? <laughs> I thought Tom would care. I stand corrected. <laughs> time travel does work, but you can only go in one direction. It's at one second a, t- a second? <laughs> uh, actually, I don't think it's a fixed rate, but it is only in one direction. Really enjoy you. That's not true. That's true. No, look that up in science. Science can prove that. All right, I'll look it up in science. <laughs> yep. Stand by. Just Google science. And you're, you oh, should Google it. No, no, oh. look it up. My science is in the air around me. Tom. Or just download <laughs> our science podcast. Uh, I was trying to explain to Dingus that when the wind is blowing during cold weather, I'm listening. It makes you warmer because the friction of the air particles uh, create friction, and friction, as everybody knows, creates warmth. So when uh, the wind is blowing, it it makes you warmer. Man, you, that <laughs> you can look that up in science as well. What? Or I don't have that kind of time. Friction. <laughs> Just Google science. Kind of we did <laughs> actually have about science fract. Right? We had. We did actually have a, a discussion this week about thermal transfer, and that, and because my kid was in uh, Odyssey of the Mind, and then I, I substituted for a science class that had science projects, and so I was very much in mind of science, and so I was talking about thermal transfer because one of the projects was about how to cool soda cans really quickly. And then Tom brought up his theory about how the wind gives you heat. Now, I haven't put this to – it needs to be peer-reviewed, though, before I publish. So I need to subject it to some experiments and some peer review, and then I will be publishing this theory. Right now, right now, it's just a theory. <laughs> nice call back, Kelly Wan. Very so you good. had a conversation about conservation. <laughs> that sounds risable. All right, so uh, that was Mark's number two pick. What was his number two pick? Uh, Mark Wilson Miller's number one pick is Kevin Spacey in K-Pax. Easy uh. choice. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, he says, easy choice, great movie. That's got K-Pax, really a great movie? Nobody's seen Is that where he's – let me, let me guess. Let me see. You guys tell me how close I am. Jeff uh, uh, Bridges is a psychotherapist, uh. and Kevin Spacey is his patient, and Kevin Spacey thinks he's an alien. Yeah, from another galaxy, not even planet. Okay, but did I get all of that right? Yeah, but then again, you're not sure what's real. Like right. Jeff Bridges could have been an unreliable narrator. Yep. Okay. 
and he could have powder. Powder's his other therapist. Circular saw that he's using. Tom. Is uh, is K-Pax good though? Is or are we gonna are we gonna take movie recommendations from Mark? Or are we suspect that K-Pax is not good? It's a biopic without a hyphen. It's no pay it forward. I don't know. Seeing Kevin Spacey play an alien, I'm tempted. If Darth Vader had a hyphen, it would have been dumb, huh? Uh, did you guys? How did you guys feel about in nonstop the capitalization of the word F in federal? Wait, I thought. Well, in FBI, it's capitalized. Well, that's a proper noun. Like that's a proper noun. When you talk about a federal offense, <laughs> a federal FBI. Yeah, so they they in they, a federal they, offense, both the F's and offense are capitalized. There are no cap. There's no capital F unless it's a proper noun, and they screwed it up in nonstop. But I guess that's just kids with their text these days. They should have put the hyphen at the end. What's the John Travolta one where he's an alien or he's got mental power? Uh, Battlefield uh, Earth. Uh, now Phenomenon. Uh, phenomenon. Oh, do, do, do. I liked my pick better. He's telekinetic and he reads fast. <laughs> well, so Mark Wilson Miller says, love the podcast. Shout out to Rebuffering, <laughs> Kelly Wan's number one fan. Ah, like Danny Wilkes. Number one fan, or yeah, he'll be he'll be by later for some hobble. Thank you. Sorry, I kept ruining your email, Mr. Miller. So our next one is from Arthur. Oh my God, Arthur Giovanagelli. Sorry, Dingus is now ruining this email, Mr. Arthur Giovanginelli. All right, Tom, how do you say that? Giovanginelli. Giovanginelli. What a what a great name. Arthur Giovanginelli. All right, number three, Unforgiven, the Schofield kid. Thinks he has the disposition to be a gunslinger, much like Bill Money. His experiences in the movie teach him otherwise. Just like the first-time viewers, the kid goes in expecting a world of glamorous gunfights where he can walk down Main Street whilst casually shooting henchmen off roofs. What he and audiences find is a grim world where killing a man is never as simple as pointing a gun and pulling the trigger. Why did that actor completely disappear after that movie? I don't know. I'm really upset about that because I was out, didn't. I was not only really impressed with it, I was really jealous of him because at that point I was trying to be a young actor doing that kind of thing, trying to shoot people great. off roofs. Yeah, I was shooting everybody, but not, but missing. I think but, it's maybe if you didn't look so much like Anson Mount. You might have gotten that kind of part instead of like all the pretty boy parts. Sorry. Good point, but I needed the money. Don't you know I needed that money? <laughs> Plus the acting. But and he did vanish. Like I don't think he ever did. Maybe he's has he been in like TV movies or something? Did he get snapped up by some uh, sitcom or yeah, that guy just disappeared, which was sad. I mean, TV movies like The Langoliers. Huh. I just remember seeing that, and I totally agree with you, Tom. I remember thinking this kid mm-hmm. is really going to go somewhere because he was so good in it. Yeah, and such a distinctive face and style uh, to him as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, guys, I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Arthur Giovin, say it again, Tom. Giovanginelli. I actually don't know. I'm just uh, going on what you said. I'm going to assume it's Arthur Giovanginelli. Say Jason Momoa and it's Giovanginelli. Why are you up? I'm not going to make. I apologize, Arthur. Your name is awesome. All right, number two is American Psycho. Patrick Bateman spends mm. the entire movie with a certain vision of his life and his actions. Towards the end, however, audience members discover that his confession has meant nothing. Why does Bryce like? No, wait. Why does he like Bryce's card more than mine? 
It's that great voiceover where they're showing their cards around, and Josh Lucas's card. I think it's Josh Lucas's card is preferred. I love that little bit. Yeah. Why does he like Bryce's card more than mine? He's the rich man's Anson Mount. Ah, very good, Kelly Wan. See what I did. And yeah. his uh, number one is the assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert. I was trying to make this. I always try to make this movie fit into a three by three. So I want to hear how Arthur did this because I couldn't do it. What is it? So Robert Ford deludes himself into thinking that his killing of Jesse James has made him into a hero. In truth, it has turned him into a, an American villain. Okay. Bob is, of course, real surprised by what happened. They didn't applaud. But it did get him laid by Zoe Deschanel. Well, he'll always have that. Fives. And uh, Arthur says, thanks, guys. You have one hell of a podcast. Thanks, Arthur. Aw. Uh, Paul Weimer. Uh, Paul Weimer, hi guys. I am skipping the one that is almost certainly on your lists. A certain delusion involving Brad Pitt and going oh. for other fare. Uh-huh. Kelly Wand, you owe me five dollars. He has said it. He's, but it's sort of uh, derisive in a way, isn't it? Oh, I'm not saying it. It was an easy one, but I had to be in there. I had to make sure I grabbed it as well. I couldn't let someone else have it. Okay. Plus, I made five dollars off Kelly Wand from it. From it, so I'll pay you Wednesday. <laughs> Thanks. For a hamburger today. <laughs> hey, yo! Number three, The Truman Show. Uh, huh. Jim Carrey's title character is deluded and actively manipulated to keep him delusion into believing he lives in an ordinary bucolic Florida town. Kelly Wan, did you think you would hear the word bucolic on the on the podcast tonight? Well, he's reading someone's email, so yeah. So, so vocabulary today is bucolic and risable so far. <laughs> And equator. That's a tough one. Equator. Anson Mount's equator. Is it a quart? What was your line? Quart. I guess it is quart, quart. I don't know. It's, I was quoting Matt Damon. Can't be mm. bothered to pronounce. Paul really number like two you. is Shutter Island. Oh, uh, mm. I'm a Shutter Island apologist. Both of you are. Yeah. Um, DiCaprio's Teddy believes he is U.S. Marshal. Marshall, investigating a murder. The truth, of course, is far more complicated and extremely spoilery. Isn't uh, isn't Ted Levine the Jeep driver in that scene? Uh, yeah, Ted Levine. Yeah, yeah. so it good. Really is. That's a great. I want Ted Levine to drive me around in a Jeep and talk to me like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tom has a lot, very long list for that, though. <laughs> Ted Levine. Don't get your hopes too up, because we've all been there. And Tom has the Jeep. You still have the Jeep? I do. Ted. Ted, Thoughts? come on over. <laughs> Contact us. The extra chick. If your eyes aren't bleeding, come on over. Put Number the one. Tom is the cheapest. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm uh, done saying dumb shit until now. Go ahead. Uh, put the quarter post in the basket. Paul's number one. <laughs> uh, in the man who wasn't there. Bill Murray's Wallace Ritchie is convinced that he is an artsy experimental street theater performance when he really has, unbeknownst to him, gotten himself wrapped up in a real-life spy caper. That's not the name of that movie. It's The Man Who Knew Too Long. Yeah, no kidding. I was like, Bill Murray was the man who wasn't there. Dingus, did you read it wrong, or did Paul really get that wrong? Uh, What he writes is, in The Man Who Wasn't, that's still wrong, lowercase, there, Bill Murray's Wallace Ritchie. Yeah, I see. So, sorry. The man who knew too much, wasn't it? 
No, no, too little because he's You're too little. I get it. I get it. Clever, so, clever. Okay. It's so Groundhog like, Day, but he's not mm-hmm. you know, punching people. Too soon, but okay. What? Oh, I didn't mean like that. All right, if you say so. What's your name's in it? Mrs. Val Kilmer? Joanne Whaley? Oh, from Willow. All right. <laughs> Did you see the movie she made with Val Kilmer? Like the, uh... Willow. Oh, Jesus. What? She did uh, the film noir thing. Where he's like a true detective kind of dude. The movie where he's playing, She's a, a, fatale. He's playing a trumpet in a burning house. Salt and Sea. Is that the one? Maybe, yeah. Uh, Sounds right. Or in something else. Okay. It's one of those two. Okay. Dingus. I'm marking the next one as unread, as it's only for Kelly. Uh, next is... What? Yeah, it's a back and forth you're having with somebody. Uh, next is Emmett Coffin, which is an awesome name. Uh, hello, quarter to three movie podcast crew. Unfortunately, I could only think of one this time, and let me just tell everybody, parenthetically, this is uh, Dingus talking. If you can only think of one, send it in. We don't care. Three, one, two, whatever you got, send it in. So Emmett Coffin says, hopefully it's a good one. Number one, Toy Story. Buzz Lightyear thinks he's a real space ranger. That's a good one. <laughs> and when Woody tries to convince him he's just a toy, Buzz won't listen to him. Eventually, he sees a TV advertisement and realizes the truth. He is then convinced his life is worthless. But Woody shows Buzz that he's really a cool toy. You know, isn't it in Toy Story 2 where they go into the toy store and they see all of the Buzz Lightyears in the box? Like, yeah, I feel yeah. like Toy Story I that, 2... I think that's the real epiphany. Yeah, yeah Toy Story 2 kind of... Er- it's like the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it kind of erased... <laughs> The original Toy Story. I mean, not... The third one's the Book of Mormon. (laughs) (laughs) When's the Apocrypha? Well, also in the first one, it's kind of like non-stop, where he's all, look, I can fly, and then a bunch of weapons that makes him think like a roller skate explodes. Kelly, Kelly, are you trying to bribe me? (laughs) Tom! And yes, I am. Uh, next is Fred Bo. <laughs> Hello, Dingus at all. Fred and Lynn back at you with Walter's clearly delusional in the Big Lebowski, believing he's quite the Rambo, which he is clearly not. He kind of is, though. He does get a toe. Or wait, his plan works. Don't they win the fight? He did, doesn't he win the fight with the Nihilists? <laughs> he certainly does show that. Who's the Who's the kid? Uh, don't f a stranger in the ass. Don't. What's the kid's name that they go to see? Like he certainly terrorizes that, that child. He uh, does it. The child's not impressed by him, though. The child's not in on the delusion, and neither's the iron lung guy. I was terrorized. Um, okay. What was that kid's name, though? Because it's, see what happens so-and-so when you F a stranger in the A. Oh. What's the kid's name? You go to see him, Big Lebowski. I feel like I should know that. All right. And you know what? I obviously need to see the movie about three or four more times. To get a few more details down. So fair enough. Um, and their their other pick, they have two picks. Lenny's pick, inspired by last week's movie, is Kevin Costner's slash William Hurt's character, Mr. Brooks, in the film of the same oh, name. Starring one of Dings' famous favorite comics, uh, Dean Dane Cook. <laughs> Dean Dane Cook. Dean is Dane his Cook. title. 
That's his. Uh, <laughs> That's right. He's the dean of comedy. He's known as. Uh, dean what Dave university is he at? <laughs> William Hurt's and Mr. Brooks. I don't remember that. Is it's like a big chill reunion? Except with Kevin Costner not getting cut. Yeah. And Dane Cook instead of um, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. I kind of liked Dane Cook in Mr. Brooks. Because he dies, huh? Before I really knew who he was, I think. Wow. You like Dane Cook. And uh, Mr. So Brooks. Yeah. He's new. He, he's new. He's your new rock. What's that Employee of the Month thing that he's in? Isn't he in a movie called like Employee of the Month? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I should maybe see yeah, it. Yeah, but it's one of those movies where it's Dak Shepard is the villain. I like Dak Shepard. Did you guys ever That's see what I'm saying. You know, he's you great. See Hit and Run? Uh, no. Bell? Oh, you guys are jerks. You should totally see. And it's got great Bradley Cooper in it, Hit and Run. What's the matter with you guys? See Hit and Run. All right, done. I love all three of those oh, people. And it's got super hot, sexy car scenes. Oh, they're so hot. Oh, I thought oh. you were actually going to say a girl. <laughs> oh, what if Amber Heard had been the agent in Nonstop instead of It'd be Amber Heard versus. I would have liked that from yeah. like the, her character from Three Days to Kill in that situation that Liam Neeson was in. It would have unfolded very differently. I then think. Dingus would have hated it because he hated. I it. think <laughs> I think Julianne Moore is that character. She's like I always have to fly around. That's. I like to think of Julianne Moore's character in Nonstop as the same as Julianne Moore's character in Don John. Ha ha! You saw Don no, John. She's part broken in Don John. Time John's good, Calvin. You've heard me say that. What are you going ugh for? It's she's about great. a guy not... Dingus, tell him. She's great in it. No, but tell him that the movie as a whole is also good. It's really good like movie. movies where people, guys learn the joys of monogamy. That's not what it's <laughs> about. Not that is not... It will surprise you, I think. It's a little I more subversive. Porky's star story arcs for everyone. It's <laughs> a complete disaster. For is that a screenwriting thing? Porky story arcs? Don't save the cat from the tree. Peek through the shower at the shortcuts, Julian Moore. Kelly Wan, will you strangle me with a cat? <sighs> wow, nice pull, Dingus. See, Kelly Wan, that you would know what Dingus was talking about if you had seen Don John. Mm, okay. Just consider it. Dingus, your homework is to watch Hit and Run. Kelly Wan, your homework is to watch Don John. I'm two scarlets behind. You know who's really good in Hit and Run? Uh, not really. You know who's actually not horrible and 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 funny in Hit and Run? Uh, Tom Arnold. He's funny in a few things. He was funny in True Lies. I don't think I knew that. I don't. He was funny in a TV series where he's like an asshole character, like Buffalo Bill. Okay, but that's TV though. Kelly, you should also see her. By the way, is Tom Arnold in it? <laughs> I would have liked that. Uh, all right, was that it, Dingus? Do we have other... Uh... No, we have a couple more. Uh, Dave Perkins. Uh, Frances Ha's friend thinks that she is happy for most of the movie, although she is not, and finally realizes it. She has the name Dave Perkins. Her name is Sophie. <laughs> so rude. That's and... Jack wife's name, Tom. Did you know that? Whose wife? Jack Aubrey. Hello? I don't know who that is. What Jesus. movie is he in? Dingus, I'm sorry. This wasn't worth it. <laughs> And uh, Dave continues, and the Sicilian in Princess Bride thinks he's the smartest man alive and dies mid-chortle, perhaps finally realizing that he's been outsmarted, but perhaps not. Can we go back to talking about Francis Ha now? He's still the second smartest. (laughs) (laughs) Andre Giant, third. uh... Andre Giant? Is that his name? Andre Giant. (laughs) Andre Giant. 
His middle name is Giant. Uh, <laughs> Giant, Mr. Giant. Uh, Dave, this is from David Michelle, who may not have understood the topic and apologize if so. No reason to apologize, guys. And we have one more from Aaron the Great. Dear QT3 3x3, I hope this week delivered the spirited debate over what a delusion is, thanks to all the choices and maybe even some finger-pointing for good measure. Here are my choices of delusion. Number three, I complimented your cooking from Super. Uh, Here's a whole movie of character moments centered around (laughs) delusions. I like this because Dingus does this to me. Dingus is a Kevin Bacon to my Rain Wilson when it comes to complimenting cooking. <laughs> Dingus every now and then will say, oh, man, you're really good at making eggs. And I totally feel like he's punking me the same way that Kevin Bacon was punking Rain Wilson. And he's just saying that to like get at me. Not true. Tom is an expert at eggs. Shush. Uh, <laughs> you're crazy. Uh, there are so many... Uh, that Rain Wilson has a laundry list starting at being a superhero. My pick, however, is him, spoilers, stabbing Kevin Bacon to save the world and his wife, even after Bacon tells him that murder would gain maybe one of those things, maybe. Remember that. The rules were made a long time ago. I love that scene. Uh, remember Ellen Page, you guys? As no. Mm-hmm. Oh, so awesome. Since she came out, I like her even more. We all do. I mean, she came out. She came out. She gave speech. Oh. Yeah. Well, good for her. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I don't. Why would she even have to come out? I mean, I don't know. Okay, whatever. I don't get it either. Good for not her. necessary, but she did it because she hates the way Hollywood uh, shunts gay actors into certain things and makes women have certain roles. And well, that's true. Tired yeah. of it. You know, though, I, I mean, good for her. But I, I really think that. Uh, haven't there been, and this is so far beyond my wheelhouse, haven't there been like, in, like, isn't it way more exciting when somebody in sports, uh, comes out and says, you know what, yeah, I'm gay, big deal. Uh, exciting. Sports, well, sports needs that. Like, Hollywood, well, Hollywood saying. is fine. I mean, yeah, Hollywood, the, the arts, fine. Yeah, people are gay. That's no longer surprising. I just, I think it's so cool when I hear about that happening in sports. And didn't well, some, football player oh man can we have a gay president one day that would be awesome but didn't a football player just do that and it was a big deal right dingus you probably know about this yeah basketball yeah so you know what ellen page good for you but but you sportsists out there i want you guys to get on the ball and come out more often i think it's partly you're saying we knew ellen page but that Football guy. Whoa, what? I actually would have no. I never would have guessed. Well, well, there's 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 such different issues because when Michael Sam came out, I mean, he's about to go into the NFL draft, and it was a big deal because other people in the locker room are the problem. Right, right. Um, It's not that. It's not necessarily. I mean, part of it is is the fans, but it's not like an NFL team isn't going to draft somebody because the fans won't buy tickets. I mean, they're going to buy the they're going to buy or draft the guy who's best for the team. But what Michael Sam has to deal with as, as a player who's openly gay in a football locker room is other players being prejudiced against him and being difficult. What Ellen Page has to deal with as being somebody who's gay is, are people going to give me jobs to play somebody like Juno? I think, so yeah. the thing is, I think, yeah, Ellen Page is in fine shape. This Michael Sam fellow you're mentioning, he's somebody, you know, good for him. It sounds like he took a way bigger risk saying it. Uh, Roger Moore well, was good James Bond. I think he, he takes he takes a big risk because of what he has to deal with daily, but, I mean, I think Ellen Page and, you know, any any other actor who is declaring 
to be gay or, or coming out of the closet, although hopefully now it's going to be less and less of an issue, is whether they'll even have a livelihood. I mean, will somebody buy an actor who says he's gay playing a romantically – I mean, where's Rupert Everett? Sure now? they will. Will, will they buy him in a, in a role with – in a romantic comedy with a woman? Well, we will, but will other people? And that's what the fear has been and, and why producers won't hire them. And so her doing that is just her, you know, she's like, I'm tired of this. I mean, the, and a lot of them say that. Some of the hottest movie sex you will ever see is Rupert Everett and whoever that Italian chick is in Della Morte, Della More, which is a, also known as Cemetery Man. Uh, oh, it doesn't I, even, I, And it yeah. doesn't even occur to me he's gay. I mean, they're both so hot in that movie. It's like, oh, that is such hot sex. Uh, but yeah, well, no. you're right, Dickus. That's that's. I mean, I guess we're not your. We're not. Michael C. Hall was. Yeah, it seems really dumb. I mean, well, didn't Anne H. come out like right before, or right after Forty Days and Forty? Wait, what was the one? What Seven Nights and Eight Weeks? What's the fucking Harrison Ford one? Were there after Harrison after Ford is gay? It? No, but if he was, oh, the Anne H. Uh, I don't change could, anything. They go, oh, yeah, you know. You know what? The Rock could totally be gay. I would be all right with that. Well, it's no difference. I mean, it's no difference. It's just a, a man and a woman in a, in a, in a exactly movie could content. totally hate each other, and they'll have to sell it too. I mean, exactly. Mr. Spock, no one gave a shit. It was like, oh, he's fucking so he's held him. Obviously, hello. Like he was even an alien Vulcan in there, but maybe that's the trick, though. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand people's minds. It seems like they're. It's like. Not liking brunettes or something, and then it's like, okay, everything's based around it. How did we get to Ellen Page? Because uh, we were talking about Super, thanks to Aaron. The oh, right, right, right. That was one of Aaron's picks for delivery. By the way, the kid's name was Larry and Big Lebowski. Ah, thank you, Kelly Wan. Did you think that up, or did you look up science? I looked it? it up. Okay. But Larry is a, my it's I think it's the funniest name. It really is, isn't it? Larry is yeah. the funniest name in not the sure English why. language. Yeah. When it's it's my go to phrase and it always seems to get a laugh no matter who it is. Yeah. Especially if it's like someone high up the ladder. I wonder if it would be different if you knew many people. Like I know a couple of Larry's not well. There's Larry Drake. <laughs> There's not many Larry Are you talking about like famous Larry? Larry Hack. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but somehow it is like See, when you say Larry Hagman, when you say the full name, it becomes different. Like, right. Uh, you got it. Hagman! Like, the Larry part, you kind of bury. So what's the line from Big Lebowski? Give me the whole line, Kelly Wand. Do you see what happens, Larry? Do you see what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass? If we can maybe <laughs> drop the Ellen Page part, I would like to do a reading from John Goodman saying, do you see what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass? To the character of Larry from Big Lebowski. Dingus, you play Larry in this scene. This is what happens, Larry. He is. This is what happens when you fuck stranger in the ass, Larry. Do you want to hear the censor dub for television? I do. What, oh, I know. When you find a stranger in the Alps. I'll do the whole thing. That's yeah, give me, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I'll, I should let you do the acting. You do it, Kelly One. I didn't know that even. But I like that you have that in your forebrain. Okay, since fucking a stranger in the ass won't play in the Midwest, for reasons we just went over, along with the equators... This is what it's reduced to for homophobes. <clears throat> Do you see what happens, Larry? Do you see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? This is what happens, Larry. This is what happens when you feed a stoner scrambled eggs. What? Look, there's a dig at me, Tom, and you, the mountain climber. Stoner scrambled eggs? How about that? Does John Goodman imp- improv that? I don't think he had anything to do with it. 
Well, they just keep the scene. Do you see what happens? You see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. This <laughs> is what when you feed a stoner scrambled eggs. Well, you know, the Exorcist TV dub is your mother knits socks in hell. That's from the SNL skit, Richard Pryor. Oh, is it really? I th- I, that's apocryphal. I thought that was actually the TV edit. Well, okay. that was probably the censors, too. Like, right. see? That's how you do it. But remember bef- when... What did... Remember when people first started saying freaking on TV? <laughs> because it wasn't something anyone said in RL. No one said, man, this freaking thing sucks. What would you guys think of a buddy movie with Anson Mount and uh, Kellen Lutz as cops? Who's the sidekick is the first question. Ah, that's I, it is the question. It's Who's the coming. goose? Yeah. Who's the Anthony Edwards in that? I don't know. Well, Harrison Ford's obviously the... Uh, He's their lieutenant. Yeah. All right, so Dingus, what is uh, uh, Aaron the Great's number one pick? Oh, did he just have one? No, no, he has more. Oh, but okay. first of all, I, I want I want one of you to tell me what 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 movie this is from. I love your body, Larry. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Wait, wait, it's something we like. It's just Dingus says things strangely. <laughs> it's something I like. It's got to be Night uh, Run or Rushmore. It's not good. It, it's from it's from the movie Fletch, and who plays Larry? <laughs> Jesus. Wait, that maybe that maybe I now have to take a step back. I'm more confused. Is Larry a, a person or an animal? No, Larry's a person. He's talking to a reporter back at his office, and he says, "I love your body, Larry." And the woman at the motel is like, "Uh." <laughs> it kind of doesn't matter because I like it anyway. Uh, it can only get better. Whoever see, he agrees with us that Larry. Well, he's making up the name, isn't he? It's no, no. no, no, it's it's Larry. Larry's the name of the person who his is, boss. Is, no, Larry is played by Gina Davis, who's basically. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? Gina Davis isn't in Fletch. Are you crazy? I can't Larry. be real. Is her name Larry, or he's yeah. just calling her that? No, her name is Larry in the. Gina Davis. Your photo. Yeah. Felicia. What's her name in? Uh, There's Thel- no way that's true. What's her name in Thelma and Louise? Thelma. <laughs> or Louise. Is, is Thelma or Larry a funnier name? Thelma's not funny. Thelma's funny. I'm telling you, Gina Davis is basically his girl Friday, and her name is Larry. Oh, Larry. And he says, uh, I love your body, Larry. True. Love your body, Larry. And that's he not says his real that. name, though. That's her name. That's her name. Larry, Larry is her name. I love your body, Larry. And it's a, it's a homophobic joke at the motel in Utah. It's not homophobic because it's Larry. It's a funny name. No, it's not just a funny name. He says, "I love your body, Larry." And the woman at the desk goes, "Hmm." But it's Utah. Oh. Yeah. Wait, it's a joke on Utah, though. I think because he wouldn't have said that in L.A. They would have gone, no. oh, yeah, "Larry and Fletch." Those two. What's the girl's name in Fletch? That blonde, the tennis girl. Uh, Bob. All right, kill both of you. <laughs> Upset right well, now. the character's name is Gil Stanwyck. I have no idea who the actress is. This is what happens when you feed a stoner scrambled eggs. <laughs> Larry. Okay, so Aaron the Great has two more things. Oh. Uh, number two, pull yourself together, Teddy. This is from Shutter Island for the whole movie. Oh. Follow one guy's quest to spoilers. Figure out he's crazy. Oh, sorry. For, for, to follow one guy's quest to spoilers. Figure out he's crazy. There are plenty of moments to choose from. I'm going with Leonardo DiCaprio blowing up a car to answer some questions. <laughs> oh, Aaron, that's awesome. That's I love that. All right, and his number one. Yeah, 
It's just a terrible yeah. movie, and you guys loved it. <laughs> yeah, I don't see. I think they, I they allow him to have his LARP moment of blowing up a car, but he doesn't do it on screen, right? He comes back, and the car's blown up. No, it happens on screen, doesn't it? Does it? I don't remember a car blowing up in Shutter Island. <sighs> you don't Tom's remember that? I'm checked. No, out. no, I uh, Shutter Island is awesome. Yeah, cars I'm, I'm totally up. with Love you, it. Kelly Warren. Yeah, smoking the bandit. <laughs> they let him blow up a car. Okay, n- number one. So you're saying there's a <laughs> chance. What's this for, Kelly Warren? So you're okay. saying there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. Oh wait, wait. It's uh, it's from someone unsuccessfully lobbying. It's not uh, absolutely not. It is obviously uh, big trouble in Little China. Kelly Warren, can I ask you a serious question? Absolutely not. Well, then would you ever consider just jumping right in the sack? you got to cut me off before I, I forget the, what I forget the next line. <laughs> yes, but never with someone in your condition. Uh, well, let's what talk about condition? it. Let's talk about my condition. You should try standing downwind from where I am. It's Miller time. Well, you know what I always say when it's Miller time. <laughs> That's pretty fucking funny. I know. It's awesome. Why is it doesn't like it. Once again, that's a terrible movie. That's Dingus's take on... That's a great film. impression of me, by the way. I thought I was listening to myself talk. Dingus, can I ask you a serious question? Absolutely not. Well, then would you ever consider just jumping right in the sack with some... Ah, oh, you let me say the whole thing, and now it's gross. Dingus, ugh. I did that, too. Well, you're turning me on, Tom. <laughs> you are Liam Neeson. Absolutely not. So you're saying there's a chance. Sounds like something Steve Martin would say in The Jerk. It's on par with the dialogue Tom's talking about. It's from Dumb and Dumber. Oh. Um, Holly, in a moment of delusion, then I don't know what is. So so you're saying there's a chance. But his dumbness, I guess dumbness is the true delusion. Oh, his delusion is that, that uh, when he hits on her and she shuts him down, he's saying, so he's saying there's a chance. So, uh, Aaron the Great's runner-ups in Silver Linings Playbook, when Bradley Cooper thinks he can save his marriage, and in Django Unchained, when Quentin Tarantino thinks we're going to believe his Australian accent. <laughs> 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 I like that. All right, so thanks for the podcast from Aaron, and, uh, and that's about it. Other than the... <laughs> string of emails you have to read, Kelly. Uh, so that's it. No more. Um, who's next? Uh, is Kelly coming up with our next one, or are you, Tom? Did you guys have any runners up? It's Kelly Wands. Uh, I think uh, uh, Kate should be called out for effects. what she just won an Academy Award for. Isn't that kind of a delusion? Blue Jasmine? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, that's right. In, in the plane, doesn't she talk uh, about wanting to be an archaeologist? Or well, yeah, she's, like, she's got a whole, I mean, she's obviously got this whole idea of her life that she's telling people that, yeah. Um, I'm totally fine with her winning for that movie. What about Sam Rockwell and Confessions of a Dangerous Mind? I don't think I like that movie, though. I do. Okay, well, you, you can like have it? that one. You can have that one from me. Because I, I think at the end you find out that he's not delusional because he fucking bitches the Julia Roberts character. He does a Constantine. Is that George Clooney again? It's his directorial debut. From the director of uh, Monuments Men, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Hmm. Uh, All right. Hoffman, it's his Natural Born Killers where he wrote it and then other people did stuff. Oh, that you know, I think that's why I was actually excited about it. Uh, and probably I remember liking it more than I thought. Like, okay. it, like, I think it was tonally issues-laden, but um, I remember being surprised, like pleasantly surprised, like okay. the opposite of you. But also, um, my only runner-up was uh, that movie with Gary Sinise, Imposter, or it's like a science fiction movie. 
What? What's mm. the premise? I like the sound. Wow, I, like, I remember so- seeing the poster for it, but it was such He's a disaster. A- oh, you didn't like it? I didn't see it. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, yeah, it was a huge disaster. Um, it was based on a Philip K. Dick story. Uh-oh, there you go. Now I'm... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the problem. Yeah, Blade Runner. Wait, wait does, uh, does Decker think he's... Hold on, is that a delusion? It's a little similar to that, but without all the... Uh, I'm thinking more like Paybacks. And uh, what are the other crappy Philip K. Dick adaptations? Okay, hey, Paybacks, awesome. And <laughs> oh my God, the bit Affleck. <laughs> but is being a no, human pay, a delusion? Paycheck, pay right. Pay Fleck with Payfleck. Rhymes with Affleck, right, yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of terrible Philip K. Dick adaptations. You can't use Blade Runner as your example. That's not uh, fair. No, no, I was just talking about Blade Runner as a possible delusion. Oh, oh, right, right, yes. That Sean Young is not crazy. Standard Darkly... Madeline Stowe's an uh, imposter. It's a guy who does a, It's like... Oh, it's a spoiler. But who directed it? I can't remember. Okay, well, I'll see it. We'll see. While Blair. you're watching Hit and Run uh, with Tom Arnold, I'll watch it. Oh, you know what I started a while? I already told you. That my that Barry Levinson... Uh, the Bay, yes. How's the Bay? <laughs> so you, you started. No, to you were watch, right on that. You started to watch a ninety-minute movie, and well, how far did you get? Before you thought Tom was yeah. right. <laughs> before ten minutes, I was like, oh boy. But it was like VHS two. You said sucked, and I kind of liked VHS two more. Okay, but yeah, the Bay. The Bay is no VHS two. But now I don't trust you on a because this fucking coin flip scandal. I don't trust you on Pompeii. <laughs> Kim Kiefer Sutherland is a senator versus Volcano. Emily Browning's ears are adorable, and her her handmaiden, a chick named Ariadne, has an incredible. Uh, well, it's just. Uh, well, I need to get a handmaiden. <laughs> uh, there's, she's got this totally hot like sidekick chick. Um, just like uh, Warm Bodies, where the sidekick was hotter. Exactly, than exactly like that, Kelly Wand. Yeah, and she's out of my league. Well, they, the thing is, they make the sidekick chick like they really sexy her up, so that you think, I guess, that Emily Browning's character is like more innocent and wholesome. Like she's the sort of yeah, uh, like yeah. the slutty best friend. Right, exactly. It's, it's yeah, they put out and their version of that. It's really weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's like it's like uh, Jennifer's body. Or Scooby Doo, Linda Cardellini. Exactly, thank you. Yes. Fascinating wand. Kelly on, what is next week's Super <laughs> 3? All right. Um, I'm very excited because I learned my lesson, I think, from the Oceans one, because it was less popular than Imposter, box office wise. <laughs> so I've decided instead of trying to be cute, I'm going to be, I'm going to do like topic that people actually want to do. So that they'll actually write in and then go, oh yeah, but we might have already done it. So it is this: it's uh, books you wish could be turned into movies that happened to movies. Yeah, already do that. Jesus, <laughs> come on! No, it's good. Books are cooler, and you know it sounds boring and broad. I'll grant you, but I presume Dingus you. is looking up whether or not we've done this one. I, I, I mean, we did fictional characters. Uh, no, it's a different. We did comic books that should be movies. No, I've been reading a lot of books lately. It makes me go, yeah, see, why don't we do this instead of nonstop? Books that should be movies. How about all of the good ones? Can I use that as my pick? We did something called Three Most Effective Adaptations when we did the the A-Team podcast. (laughs) Okay, A, the book for that was not as good as the movie. And C, 
Um, how do you know that so quickly? You're, you actually have it that you, that's is that look upable that fast? It is, and I've sent it to you. <laughs> I don't have time to read that. All right, so Scrambled books eggs. that should be turned into movies but haven't. Ah, but how you didn't? Ah, that, I say right. Do you have right. any other questions? Tom? So I guess that Isaac Asimov's I, or Robert Heinlein's 2001 is off the table. Then that's Arthur C. Clarke. You fuck hole. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, if you have and picks, Witcher. Yes. Yeah. yeah us. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Do you have any other questions? I didn't have any in the first place. <laughs> you said uh, Larry Niven's uh, 2001. Dinkus, you're you're more well read than Tom. Tom's all yeah, Godfather. <laughs> But you are the smart. That was the book, Mario Puzo. See? So I was saying, Dingus, <laughs> Tom here is troublesome. Do you have any questions? Uh, I, is an escalator the same thing as an elevator? What do we see next week? Next week we are going to see 300 colon Rise of an Empire. Uh, uh, rated R. Rise of an uh, who directed this fucking monstrosity? Gnome Murrow, I believe, is his name. Uh, I think he's a stunt coordinator. Jesus, <laughs> that fares well. That's a, that's a, you always know what you're getting when you have. What a stunt was Zack Snyder? Zack Snyder was a, a music video director. Seems like a weird title to even. I mean, I guess I get it. Maybe he's not. I don't. You know what? I'm. Un, I might be being unfair to Gnome. Uh, but let's find out. Let's see the movie and uh, <sighs> let's not judge him based on his name or his previous career. The proof is in the pudding. Let's see the movie and then see what we think of that. So <laughs> Let's not judge him based on his gnome. Or his name. Uh, so next week, see 300 Rise of an Empire. If you have any picks for uh, books that should be made into movies, send them to 3x3.com. Kelly Wan, how do people uh, – do you need to tell people how to write out that email address? Yeah, I do. Go ahead. Give it to okay, us. Okay, write the fraction 1 forward slash 4 – to three dot point rise of an empire at com. Awesome. Send those pics. Password yes. oh, yeah. is Kelly. Right. Okay, what? No numbers? And is that is that case sensitive? Can we use a capital it. F in Kelly? No. Okay. Uh, I will uh <laughs> what will next. Tom do? Now, I will be here so. next week along with Christian oh. Milini. It's Christian Moroski, ma'am. Moroski, right? And uh, Kelly Wand. This is what happens when you feed Anson Mount scrambled mounts. Oh. La la la. Um. Tom, you're a beastie boy. It's three of us. beastie boy would you be if you were one of us? Could I be Mike D? Oh, yes, right. She's Miss Donnie. What were you saying? Um, Also, if you could be one of us, which would you be? From one podcaster to another, you know. Oh, I see what he did.